Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And I'm one of three co-host interloping guest hosts, uh, Alex Zhao. <laughs> uh, this is this is Charles, Charles Powell. And this is X. I'm the third guest. <laughs> uh, today we're going to talk about... Nailed it, guys. Yeah, we we freaking nailed it. We're absolutely killing it. <laughs> and we're also going to nail talking a little bit about Game of Thrones. Before we do that, buddy, much to the folks at home, what it is we do on this podcast. Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. But, obviously, Game of Thrones has been just this giant nuke of, like, a pop culture force. Uh, and it has obviously recently ended in shall we say turmoil now uh, if you are loyal listeners you will have seen our extra episode that we posted uh last week where mango and i just kind of broke down the end of the show but but we want to talk a little bit about uh some of the bigger implications of this final season and how the show as like a whole unit can be sort of grappled with but before we get there you know i feel like we should uh we should give some of our new folks a chance to what what are, what are your guys thoughts about the final episode starting or, or about the, the the whole show right like they we, we've done this over the course of a couple of weeks but if you have thought, thoughts on the entire show feel free to share them as well um so i've never read the books i've seen all of the episodes of the show i started binge watching it probably right before the start of season no back after the end of season six um okay. i'd say that the uh, uh the last episode of the show um was fine in that it met like the minimum of the requirements for the the eighth season to be justified like i was willing to forgive a lot during the course of the season because i was like well let's see what they would place in terms of the end um I I think two specific things. One, I think that the eighth the eighth season was like enough uh, to get out the basic plot points. Given that you know, uh, spoiler alert: George R. R. Martin's never finishing the books. And uh, two, I'm gonna go through a few examples. I think show that you know a good TV show is not ruined by what people think at the time is a bad ending. Ooh, okay, that's the spicy take. <laughs> I feel like in this group. <laughs> Charles, what are, what are your thoughts? Give give it to us. Give give me, give me sure. that hot that hot take action. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have necessarily have a hot take, uh, but I watched all the show. I've not read any of the books, uh, and uh, I didn't really have too many problems with the seventh season. Uh, but the eighth season definitely, I felt like it was rushed. The characters just kind of changed very suddenly, and I was so annoyed after the third episode that i read the spoilers for the fourth fifth and sixth episodes which all turned out to be true so i was staunchly <laughs> in team uh i hate this show now but i i'm just gonna watch it just to watch to finish it but honestly i didn't even care that much about the sixth episode i didn't watch it on like the day of i was just kind of like eh, i'll just watch it sorry no i didn't watch the fifth episode until the day of the sixth episode because i cared so little at that point about the the way the show was going that I just I didn't it couldn't I didn't even it didn't even it wasn't exciting to me anymore. It's just like <laughs> this is a thing that I gotta do so I keep up with the rest of the world. But like I already read the the cliff notes effectively by learning all the spoilers. So to me it was just kinda like to me it was a death of, of something that was great. Yeah. Um, so that's enough. that was I was saucy on team free folk. 
it's a, it's a Reddit subreddit. What about, I just... what about you, X? What's your what's your perspective? On I also haven't read any of the books, but I have read Reddit. So wow, I'm the enough, only right? person here right? who's read the books. Scott, get on my fucking level, you guys. I mean, everybody on Reddit is like a is it like an expert? So I've like leached some information from that, but I would not consider myself an expert of the literature. But the show itself, it was a cultural phenomenon for the first four or five seasons, maybe. And then it just plateaued, jumped the shark, and ended up a flash in the pan, it feels like. Because by the end, it just it hit all the right plot points, but none of it felt deserved. Like, it all made logical sense in a vacuum. But then, it's like when you do a math problem and you just give the answer without showing the work. It's like, you get no points on the test, you fail. GG no re. Unless they remake it, actually, that's the hope. Ufer, are you on? Are you on Team uh, Brotherhood? Which is which is my take. Is what that is we, Team Brotherhood? Uh, much like Full Metal Alchemist got a Brotherhood. That Game oh of yes, Thrones gets yes, a brotherhood. definitely. Yes. Well, it could either be like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood or Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which is not good. So. Yo, what are you talking about? Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is the shit. Well, we're not here to talk about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Um, but the Brotherhood thing is really interesting. Like, my take on the podcast last week was that, like, I think, yes, a Brotherhood will come about, but it will be, like, 30 or 40 years from now. Do you know what I mean? Please it'll 10. be, like, a Please big... <laughs> yeah, it'll be, like, a big remake of, like, you know, like, a classic television show. And the way that, like, you know, there was that big Battlestar Galactica remake a couple of years ago, stuff like that. You know, like, I think it'll be something along those lines that will, like, hew more... Uh, more closely to to the books and try and be kind of like its own thing. Um. Yeah, well, so so I, I knew you were going to bring that up because I did listen to that particular episode, and I actually want to get into specifically Battlestar Galactica as a remake. So okay. first, there, there's obviously that huge like gap between the original, uh, which was not very popular nor particularly successful as a very cult show, and then the remake on Sci-Fi, right? And then I think Battlestar Galactica is actually one of the shows I want to bring up as an example of where I think like if we give it five years or 10 years, like we'll be fine with this particular iteration of Game of Thrones and there's not going to be a huge push for a remake. And I think people will look at the final season, either either A, uh, forgive the final season's flaws, or B, think that the final season was like above average or good. And one of the reasons is because Battlestar Galactica, the remake, was considered good. But at the time that the final episode and slash final season aired, like people were not particularly happy with the ending of that show. Mm -hmm. And at this particular point, nobody gives a shit, right? So no, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I, under that, the that impression that true. the end of Battlestar Galactica is generally reviled. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so one of those things that people like, can that excise. Didn't, that didn't, right? like, people aren't just like, well, no more watching Battlestar okay. Galactica, right? People That's still fair. find that show worthwhile watching. And like the ending's like, all right, whatever. But I think people are more willing to forgive that particular thing. Yeah, like, and I was there in the, like, I was watching Battlestar Galactica, like, live when it happened. People were, like, legitimately furious about it, but I've always been a stand for that show. And even that ending, like, it reminds me a lot of Mass Effect 3 in the kind of sense of, like, the very, very final piece of the puzzle sucks. But that doesn't, like, invalidate everything that had kind of come before it. The problem is, is that I think it's tough to make, which is to say, like, I think it was season four of Battlestar Galactica. Season four of Battlestar Galactica was actually pretty great as a whole. Just so, sort of like the final episode and where everything ended up in like the final moments didn't, didn't sit right with people. I think it's a lot harder to make that comparison to Game of Thrones where like, yeah, even as early as episode 
three people were talking about how everything was kind of like rushed do you know do you know what i mean like this isn't something that it came out of nowhere when episode six airs and everybody thinks that it's awful what they did to daenerys or whatever people were complaining about it for literally a month beforehand because they didn't like the way the battle of winterfell they didn't like the progression into the battle of king's landing they didn't like the battle of king's landing and then they didn't like the ending do you know what i mean that's actually an interesting point because like i'm trying to think of other like cult shows or like really popular shows like house or dexter they tend to have like bad endings but the last season at least was like decent except for like maybe a couple of episodes toward the end. Whereas, I think, like, I it feels think, like Games no. of Thrones is the opposite. It's like the whole season everyone hated. I, 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 no, think, I, think, I think another point kind of on this scale, I'm not super familiar with Battlestar Galactica, but I am fairly familiar with House, is that um, House it was very episodic. I think the same is true for mm. Dexter. And like the whole point of Game of Thrones is to build to this end, right? To see the like it is very storyline dependent, whereas... Well, in that case, I would use Lost as an example. Yeah, I mean, lost, lost ending. Woof. I, I don't know. Talk if about an ending that everybody lost. hates. Yeah, I have not heard a single person who rewatches Lost. I hear Lost almost universally in the same kind of context that you hear, like, like you know, like Avatar, where it was like huge at the time, but was just like a pebble in the lake of the pop culture consciousness, right? Like it had no ripple effect at all. Um, and once it was over, you know, it just kind of was like completely dead um so maybe that is that is a fair comparison i don't know i never watched lost so i don't have a great sense of it i just know that everyone really hated that ending the ending was just so wtf the other thing about lost though is i also felt like see like here's my core frustration when it comes to game of thrones i was so willing and you have all seen this because i have literally argued the points with each of you Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that like I was so willing to kind of like give the show the benefit of the doubt and like really like go to bat for it and be like, no, I mean, come on, just like be positive, be like optimistic. And like now I have absolutely no desire to do that. That's because you were on team Danny. And then as soon as Danny had the heel turn, you're like a wrestling fan whose favorite wrestler just had a heel turn. And you're like, how can this be? I am here. Listen, I was absolutely on team Danny, right? Like you can go listen to the podcast where I laid out the kind of positive case for Danny winning like the iron throne. I'm perfectly happy with a tragic ending for Danny, right? What I am not happy with is an ending for Danny where she is treated literally as the worst person in the show which is mind-blowingly stupid as far as I'm concerned. Like, it's not that the show positions Danny, oh, you know, like, like she's Icarus. She flew a little too close to the sun. You know, she could never live in the better world that she wanted to bring about. Any of these other kinds of things, it's like, nope, she was god-awful. She was an absolutely horrible, terrible person, and you should feel awful for ever having liked her. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it feels like. Yeah, so... Yeah, from my point of view, there was no slow transition that made it feel natural. So, like, yeah. the way that it happened just felt like, again, this this is, this is, the, buddy, if you had that one comment uh, when we were talking about how, like, you you separate the, the artist from the work itself. What's that, what was that, like, philosophy called? Oh, Death of the Author. Death of the Author, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, because, because after the third episode, I just started hating, I just started, I immediately was on the hate train. But as I was on that hate train, I learned things about D and D that kind of tainted that view as well. Like oh, learning yeah, that they yeah, were going, that they were, they got that Star Wars deal, and there was that specific picture of from like an op-ed 
uh, not an op-ed, from an actual like interview where uh, D&D say basically HBO wanted more seasons, JRM, JRM wanted more seasons, but we said we could finish it all in 72 hours. We felt that was enough time. And oh, so like they yeah. chose, in my opinion, they purposefully, perf- purposefully chose to short curtail all the plot and all the character development in order to get to the major plot points that J, uh, J, uh, GRM definitely wrote um, in order to kind of speed it along. And an unrelated note to go back to what Zhao was saying about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, I looked at IMDb, the final season is actually, it's not seen in, in poor, poor regard. The last episode is actually a 9.0. But oh, if you wow. look at Dexter, the last episode is a 4.7. The episode prior to that is 7.2. How I Met Your Mother, also terrible. Ending 5.6. Battlestar Galactica's endings are 8. Point five and nine. So, sure, but that's a recency bias, right? That that that's what I'm saying, right? Well, like, I mean, if... I think that there are, there can be endings that kind of you know, it's like nobody liked Blade Runner when it first came out, and now we all regard it as a classic. Like maybe if you go back and rewatch Battlestar Galactica, that ending is better than we received it at the time. No, I mean, if if IMDb had been as popular as it was when Dexter's ending came out, or when How I Met Your Mother's endings came out, which were like you know within the last few years rather than in 2009, which was a decade ago. Right, like that, you wouldn't have the same high rating for the show because what ends up happening is that most of the people who are watching Battlestar Galactica and then rating it on IMDb right now are probably people who didn't watch it in the first run at the time because at the time I don't think people particularly liked that episode. Like as they were watching it, they were like, "This sucks." Right? Oh, so but like if you this watch is it in retrospect, like review bombing. Do you, is that your? Is that your? Idea? I mean, I don't know if it's yeah, fair to call it review much, right? bombing, like, but but I. I that's kind of the thing I think you're going for that right now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah something. I mean, sense. like something along those lines. Right? Like, like the immediate reaction for like Game of Thrones. Yeah, the IMDb score is tanked, right? But like, I am going on IMDb the next day and saying this suck. I'm giving it one star. Was not a thing a lot of people did um, when Battlestar Galactica so, was ending. Right. That's that's fair. But here's my counterpoint to that. The sample size is uh, 2,400 or 1,300. I mean, yeah. People people obviously there are few people on IMDb at the time. Um, but I mean, that doesn't mean that the, the points that it got back then were inaccurate. Or you're saying that maybe there were there's, only like a hundred like reviews at that time. people who rated it back then. Right? No, I think, I, th- I also really think Zhao's point has, I also think Zhao's point has a lot of water. Cause I just looked up lost ended a year later in 2010 and its final episode has an 8.2 on IMDb. So it does seem to suggest at the very least that this was kind of like before people thought about going going to imdb and like giving things one star you know like one star ratings Hmm. i think the other thing is i disagree with uh both of your takes on like how i saw the danny character like i i thought two things first of all like every moment where danny was considered a good character (laughs) was basically when she was like burning or killing lots of people Uh, granted the difference was that when she was still like in essos like most of that killing was deserved or quote-unquote deserve because you know it's like oh we're killing all the dothraki who don't like respect her or we're killing all the slavers blah 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 right like i think like the 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 other thing i i saw with danny was just that like you know uh first of all i thought Tyrion once he escaped um became kind of a total idiot and then a lot of characters did yeah like you go to essos and your iq especially right Tyrion especially was just like every piece of advice he gave was basically wrong Yep. Uh, which is a very different than before. And I think what happened, like, imagine you're Daenerys Targaryen, right? Like, and you have this person who you've been told is a good advisor and you trust and you give him, like, the title of Hand of the King. And for essentially, 
what three years worth of time he gives you bad advice that's slow <laughs> that you only like he gives you bad advice that uh you directly contradict sometimes by you know lighting people on fire and that works out way better than all of his advice and then his last piece of advice when you're attacking king's landing is wait for the bells to ring uh and then you know then the battle is over and you've won right uh I feel like in that particular moment, I, I buy, she just goes, no, fuck this shit. I, I don't care about the goddamn bells. And then just starts like, you know, going, I should burn everything, right? Uh, so I'm going to buy that particular part of her character development. Like, yeah, like maybe saying that she's going to be like worse than every other character is a bit much, but like I can see the path to it. I'll agree that it wasn't particularly fleshed out well, but like it's not implausible for how they No, it's it's it. certainly not implausible. It's not a matter of the end point. It is a matter of arriving there. Like so for instance, if Daenerys had been framed a little bit more like Anakin, right? I mean, Anakin is hard because we all know where he ends up, but just in the sense of like the first time she rides a dragon, she's like, "Now this is dragon." Ridden. Well, <laughs> like this is a character who does good things that are framed positively but also does bad things that are framed negatively right and it's the and it's walking that line and it's a character who's on a knife's edge and she's like teetering this way and that right and i think that there is a lot of this in daenerys especially kind of early in uh like the Stefan marine season three season four right like obviously her crucifying the masters and then being effectively punished for that right is like this this is that kind of a character the problem is is that this isn't uh you know like this isn't a sympathetic portrayal of someone who's you know trying her best to walk a tough line right and then at the very end just happens to kind of teeter over into evil or whatever right this is a character who it feels like it just has been evil the entire time. That seems to be what, like, the argument is. Right? See, the argument see, I, I, is, I, I, oh, Daenerys was always going to be this or whatever. It was never, like, there was an equal chance that Danny becomes a good person or a bad person depending on the outcome of a certain set of events. See, I, 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 think, I think the problem there is that that's, that's also not quite right, right? I think up until this season, up until probably, like, the last few episodes, she's always painted as a person who is doing a good job, right? She's not painted as walking the knife's edge, but she's the problem is she's painted as always walking on the good side, right? Like Tyrion's kind of admonishment that we all cheered her when she did things to people we didn't like. It rings kind of weird because the the you know the the, the story that was like a direct line for Team Danny. Like we're gonna take we're gonna take this heel turn, and you're just gonna accept it. Yeah, but th- that's 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 the problem, right? Like, if they yeah. had painted, if they had like painted her cruelties as being cruel, then I think it would have gone over well. Similarly, she, with, I, I, sim- I don't know that that's true. I think her cruelties are painted as cruel. I don't think all like, of them like, are. I think right. until she got to Westeros, even when she did really shitty things, it was cheered. And so then when she does shitty things in Westeros and she's not cheered, she's like, "What the heck?" And then she kind of rampages yeah Yeah, well i mean she does she does a good thing in westeros which is save everyone from the night king and she's not cheered exactly gets mad about it i mean i like that whole thing is kind of is what it is but i think that there's a lot on both sides of that equation right for every advisor that has to talk danny off of the ledge there is also an advisor that is like no fuck these people burn them all right dario tells her to go murder all of the masters right and that and that's exactly how she should handle them and he says and she says no that's awful i'm not gonna do that Elena Tyrell tells her, 
be a you are a dragon be a dragon and she says no i'm gonna go with Tyrion's plan which doesn't like work do you know what i mean so like there is plenty of evidence kind of on either side of the no, no, of see, that see that's that's edge, that's, that's different than what i'm talking about right like there are times when she's merciful but like the only time when she's like portrayed as being wrong is when she crucifies the masters up until the the, the um, arguably Kingsley. what Arguably, when he when she burns the Tarleys, it's yes, yeah, okay, that, 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 that's, that, that is fair as well. But like locking the king of that first city in the vault, uh, yeah. general general warfare with with the slavers. Um, mm-hmm. There were a couple other things too, but essentially being being or burning the Dothraki leaders, right? Like being blood and thunder on the blood and fire. <laughs> Split your lungs, Mango. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh being being fire and blood is generally not portrayed as being the wrong thing to do until the end of the show. Um and I think that's the problem, right? If they had if they had if someone had pointed out like, you know, you you just lock someone in a vault to starve, right? That's maybe not the best idea. I think it would have felt better going into the final season when she eventually does make that turn. I mean, yeah. I think at the time I thought that was pretty like I thought that was like fucked up. Um, like the guy was bad, but it's like, no, nah, you just locked him in the vault to slowly starve to that. Yo, that's a little fucked up, right? Like it's not. I, I found that very fridge momenty. Oh, really? I, I feel like all of that stuff is kind of emblematic of sort of like the moralism that has changed over the course of especially the last two seasons. Um, like a point that gets brought up all the time is the idea that like we were in a medieval setting with medieval morality, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden at the very end, we are like having modern, you know, like Tyrion is like, but but what about the Geneva Conventions, Khaleesi? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is completely out of nowhere. Okay, Not to mention, no, by the okay, way, no. can, I just say, can I just say that Tyrion's like compassionate way to take the city, which is starve it to death. Until they rise up against Cersei, sounds just as heinous and cruel as Danny burning everyone alive. So I don't really understand. Oh, like, that's the that's show. not just as bad. Like it's bad, but it's not. It is not as bad as burning. <laughs> it's everyone not alive. as bad. Yeah, I mean, isn't it like? Don't you guys all play the Total War games? I know my yeah. brother. When I would watch him play, he would just siege a city for forever and just wait for it to starve and then just go. Take it that over. That is exactly so, what happens. Yeah, it's like, a very, it's a very strong medieval strategy, is what I'm saying. Not to mention that it's a strategy we have seen, like in other, you know, like we have, we have watched this kind of morality play out in other places, right? Um, so it was a little jarring at the very end when all of a sudden we're kind of just like, oh my god, I can't, be- won't, won't anybody think about, you know, the prisoners of war? Like, what did, the, what did the phrase think about prisoners of war, you guys? Or hospitality. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but, but exactly, the phrase right? the like, phrase are unequivocally villains, right? Like we we celebrate when Arya murders the phrase, right? Sure, like, but in universe, so in universe though, right? What what the happens with the phrase is about breaking hospitality. It's not about them executing prisoners of war. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like that is the thing that people that people are uh, uh, horrified by. I don't know if I quite like. Yeah, it's it's, but it's murdering them in a deceitful way rather than meeting them on the field of battle, which is like a different kind of morality. But it is like well, but like in the culture of Westeros, hospi- extending guest right and like host right is like if if I take you in yeah. as a guest, I can't harm you, sure. and you can't harm me. Like that's like yeah, not one, to mention that we. Have I thought they're like having no slaves, like in terms of Westerosi ideals. Yeah. 
and we have we have also seen like you know cities have been sacked like rob explicitly in the show sacks a castle he talks about it like it's an off-screen thing in like the third season or whatever so like you know we have seen and we have heard from these characters that they are willing to yeah like completely just shit on people in order to so so i I also think there's a difference between sacking a city and like burning it down with dragon fire right like i think like yeah well so i mean i also think the burning it down with dragon fire is just like completely out there and unmotivated so that's it but even even if she hadn't done it the northmen were going pretty wild anyway and so were the dothraki yeah so like the northmen the dothraki these people going nuts and you know like we we have seen this kind of thing happen in the show before and so like i don't know there's just something weird to me about like Jon snow uh get, getting getting bent out of shape about it like the northmen have a pretty real grudge with the people of king's landing and i'm not surprised that they really wanted to like you know engage in that kind of medieval vengeance that we have seen in other spots in the show sure you know but jo- I mean? john's horrified by them as well right like i i think that john, john has... is supposed to be the modern morals which is why it clashes yeah. like within the show because nobody and nobody else around him is like horrified except maybe Davos. I mean, like, but there's no one else really around him, right? Like, yeah, but he had to Davos, kill his like, own. He had to kill his own man. Like Davos, one of the dudes was obviously yeah, well, a Northman yeah. in like the plate armor. And Davos has watched Stannis do a bunch of this, these similar things. You know what I mean? Like, Mance Raider was a prisoner of war, and Stannis is going to burn him alive. Like, I, I do agree with the point about John. Like, I think John is that kind of like moralistic character or whatever. But the point is, in the in the overall universe of the show, I feel like we were hinging a lot of morality on some of. So, so I, 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 th- I think the difference I'm going to highlight is I don't think we ever see any people murder innocents right like peasants or whatever without it being portrayed negatively okay define peasant because like the first scene is ed like executing a deserter but he's not he, he that's he's not a peasant that's yeah. someone who's a deserter that's a completely different category i know i know but what i mean is like an, he, an innocent right like somebody somebody who doesn't deserve it uh ostensibly well from yeah, the modern yeah. morality that doesn't deserve a death penalty to well, run away from the well, I mean, but, the, but I'm not talking about modern doing. morality. I'm talking about the morality of the show. Murdering innocent peasants is 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 uh, is it's frowned upon in West, throughout Westeros. the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, but that's the other thing with like Danny. Like, I, I I agree that in the context of the show, Danny going buck wild and burning King's Landing for absolutely no reason whatsoever is heinous and it's an atrocity and everything like that. But my problem with that moment is that it is fundamentally and completely unmotivated right like it is not in keeping with you know like people talk about foreshadowing and i do agree that danny being tyrannical or you know in some kind of broad strokes bad um that is accurately and well foreshadowed sure but the specific thing of you know massacring innocent people for no reason is something that is wildly out of sync with who Danny is as her character, right? Like she is cruel, but she is not unmotivated cruel. In fact, the entire all of the examples of cruelty that we have listed out are things that were very motivated, like acts of cruelty. Um, and so the completely unmotivated act of cruelty, which was the burning of King's Landing, I think is kind of completely out of nowhere. Yeah. There are specific there are many moments throughout the show where she says, I'm not my father. Yeah. Like to emphasize the point that she has like She's trying to fight that that part of her that kills the innocents. Yeah. And it just and feels she has like she's already won. Yeah. It's very clear she's already won when she's yeah. standing above 
like in on the dragon on the wall and all of the scorpions are gone like there's nothing that can really harm her and there's no there's no real impetus based on what we've seen prior for her to just kill a shit ton of innocents that's what i think buddy and i are trying to get no 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 no. i think so mango found that one clip about um it was back when she was still a marine about how like her initial plan before uh being like talked out of it by uh by Tyrion was to like burn like one of the slaver cities to the ground or something like that. Yeah, actually credit to X for remembering that. But uh you you, yeah. you are correct. She was ready to burn down Slaver's Bay until till Tyrion was like, That's that's not a good idea. Um which is a good piece of advice, I will say. Tyrion. And then they end up don't they end up murdering the masters at a parlay anyway? They murder two of the three they, masters. Yeah, they yeah. murder two of the masters. Um yeah, but I so I would say that that is similarly uh motivated right like the it is motivated by the war the other two cities of slavers bay are waging but isn't this also motivated by a war then like she's she's literally i feel like the show i feel like the show really accurately says cersei is not the common people of king's landing and daenerys shows absolutely no you know what i mean like there's nothing in the show like okay so imagine imagine a scenario where cersei okay okay imagine a scenario where cersei blames the blowing up of the sept of balor on daenerys and she says oh it was daenerys's agents they snuck into the city and they blew up the sept of balor she's the mad queen she's the mad king's daughter she you know she wants to be a tyrant or whatever and and there is some real and there's some real impetus for danny to have um like anger, like a motivated anger against the common people of King's he Landing. He lost a dragon. Think, because, well, no, because she blames them specifically for something they have done. They believed Cersei's lies about her or something like that. We don't see anything along those kinds of lines. I mean, you, see the, the, you see the common folk crowd into the keep, like, seeking shelter. Right, but, they, that, but that's not a reason to be mad at them. That, yeah, that's not a reason to be mad at them. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like I mean, if, they're basically being used as hostages, and at some point, Danny's just like, "Well, I'm not going to let you use them as hostages against me." What so, so the thing is, what I get from this is that you would have been only okay with Danny killing a bunch of civilians if, after the bells rang, uh, and note that there were still civilians in like the Red Keep, she's like begrudgingly burning down the Red Keep and all the civilians in it to get at Danny. Uh, to get sorry, to get at um, uh, Cersei. I, th- I think the optimal way that they want to frame it is to be a little bit like Stannis, right? Where it is, okay, here is a choice. You can either win, right, by doing yeah. something terrible, by doing something absolutely abhorrent, or you lose. And Danny says, you know what? It's that important to me that I win. And so, you know, she blows up the Red Keep, and the Red Keep has a bunch of wildfire under it or whatever, and it blows up the whole city and everybody dies, right? Like, that would be a kind of thing where, you know, Danny was willing to essentially sacrifice all of these people in order to in order to like achieve her goals what we got in the show was not that danny was for what reason burning mothers and children she had already won we all knew that she had already won she knew that she had already won and she decides to kill these people anyway like that's that's the thing that I think is bad. It's very inconsistent with the character we have it's, been. Yeah. Like she has shown brought. really legitimate empathy for these people. It's not like like it's not like we have Stannis where he Well it, it, it should it should have been like Stannis, right? It should have been slow it really, rolled yeah, it over been like the Stannis. course of at least one season where like 
she slowly gets more and more cruel. And we see her doing more and more bad things that culminates in this, right? That culminates yeah. in the in the term where you can't come back, which is, you know, done really well with Stannis when he burned Shireen, right? Like, that that, that is... Stannis' arc is what Danny's arc should have been, I think. Yeah. And I think that you could have done a lot of that stuff earlier. Like, imagine something in Winterfell or whatever, like, you know, a a fight breaks out between the Unsullied and a bunch of Northerners who, like called the unsullied eunuchs or whatever and john shows up and he breaks up the fight and nothing you know and nothing comes of it but then danny shows up and supersedes him and she orders like one of the northerners executed and it's like oh wow that kind of jesus do you know what i mean like something along those lines like but we don't get any of that stuff especially because the first couple of episodes of the season are just all about this fight between you know the 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 armies of man and the night king and everything like that so there's just no time for any of this stuff to kind of be established and that's why it feels like it comes out of nowhere yeah so so uh, along these those particular lines i feel like they kind of inverted the priority almost right like i feel like the Night King stuff should have been more important with the politics being secondary and it seems like they reversed it because i if I'm going to be cynical, because I I think that um, the, the people really Disney like paid them off. Well, because because the people <laughs> really, uh, because because people really like the politics stuff. What, what do you guys think about that? Mm. Uh, I was very willing to apologize for the Battle of Winterfell. I am like less willing to do that to do that now. But I do think ultimately the right thing to do is to show you know, like the armies of the North get together, like all of these armies get sure. together and defeat the Night King and then head back down to, you know, like I think the central dram dramatic question of Game of Thrones is who sits on the Iron Throne, right? It's not, I think, like the White Walkers and the Night King. Okay, that's There's an argument to be made for the White Walkers being uh, the biggest plot point of the, the show. I mean, I, I, I don't remember... I don't remember exactly, but I thought it would, the whole idea was that, okay, so first off, the first scene in the, the show, the very first mm -hmm. scene is at the wall, and there's like a scouting unit that goes out, and they learn about the Sea of White Walkers. Like, that is literally the first scene of the show. Yeah. So I've heard arguments made to say that, like, why would you put that as literally the first thing and have an entire, you know, seven slash eight seasons of buildup to this big threat, and then just have it destroyed in, like, one... Because Arya went Arya went all the way to Essos to learn Blink Strike. Come on. No, but so but so <laughs> I, I think that you could have just as much like there's just as easy an argument where you you know like let's say we tally up all the screen time of White Walker related activity and tally up all the screen time of politics activity. The politics activity is clearly way more in the show, right? So I feel like I, I understand that argument, but uh, it seems like there are two dramatic questions. One is how do you deal with the white walkers the other is who sits on the iron throne and at a certain point you just kind of have to choose one to be like the ultimate climax of the story um i guess i don't necessarily begrudge someone who thinks that like the night king should be that uh but i do sort of think well the night king was supposed to be zombie hitler and cersei was just supposed to be an angry lady yeah the like thing in terms of relative like world impact I can sort of see where the argument is. That, the thing like... about the Night King that I don't like um, specifically, actually, is the Valyrian weapons and like the 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 obsidian stuff. Yeah, like a, a huge amount of time is taken tracking these Valyrian weapons all across. You know, like, and they all 
locate themselves in the north fighting the night king you have heartsbane you have the two ice swords widow's whale and Oathkeeper, right you have long claw um and so a version of things where like there isn't like an epic showdown between all of these you know human lieutenants who are wielding the valyrian steel swords and the white walker lieutenants of the night king or something i like I, I think there's a pretty good argument that all of that kind of stuff and some of these specifics inside of the Battle of Winterfell are, are wasted. Um, but the overall, you know, plot mechanics of everybody gets up to Winterfell, there's a big fight there, the Night King loses, you know, I think that stuff is more or less okay. Uh, so I, I think I might be with you. I, I think maybe it suffers from the same pacing problems that the politics stuff does. Like, it's kind of like, very quickly glossed over. There's a lot of stuff about the White Walkers that isn't really explained. Um, I don't think I don't think the White Walker needs to be some like deep tragic character or anything. But I think that like you know things that are hinted at and never explained are it's just kind of like a bad writing, right? Like well, what like, was up with what, that baby? What specifically? What was up with that baby? Like... What was that weird area that they walked into uh, when 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 they delivered the the baby? There were there were a couple other kind of things. Like what was the Nate like? We got a little bit about what their nature was like with the uh, the children of the forest, but I feel like, like, um, I, I what was his kind of relationship to the three eyed raven, right? Like, I, I, I that, yeah, that was certainly something I was thinking a lot about. Like, I feel like we we deserved kind of one final info dump of you know the why like why is he going after the three-eyed raven specifically right and if the answer is like bran goes and he watches the ritual of the very first three-eyed raven being imbued with his powers from the children of the forest and it's like oh that like this is why the white walkers are trying to get their vengeance against everything of the children of the forest and the humans and everything like that. Or so, like, I feel like we, we were lacking one final piece of that, but I think that explaining the specifics of like the magic and the mystery and all of that stuff isn't necessarily needed. Um, like I've seen some people kind of talk about like R'hllor and the prince that was promised and stuff like that. I think it's okay that we don't really understand how Melisandre's powers work. Right. Um, or like the Lord of light or any of the kind of like magic spell related stuff. Um, I just feel like there did need to be a little bit more on the actual kind of like conflict of the White Walkers themselves. I mean, so I can buy that there was a little lack of motivation, although I think that um, the the with the Children of the Forest, uh, Bran gets enough of the backstory of the Night King for you to understand how the Night King was created, uh, kind of like, you know, like what his purpose is. And then I guess like some of the magic stuff is like whatever. Um, I'm like, okay, uh, I understand that, you know, like, some of it is hand-wavy. Um, but, like, I don't think he was, in Season 8, definitely, he was not, like, they did not skimp in terms of um, the build-up to the Battle of Winterfell. And I don't know if the Night King necessarily was skimped on in terms of anything that he was needed, right? Like, I think, like... I mean, like, what, what possible motivation? Could he was you like a bad guy like, with, he, he no, with no, with no, very background. Bad. That's about it. I mean, you, you can you can do a bad guy you with can no make background. Him interesting. You know, it, it, I mean, you don't you don't need to give him anything particular, right? Like, you want like you can have a kick the dog villain, and that's fine, right? Yeah. But like, there's a bunch of like mystical stuff that all has to do with the White Walkers that essentially gets dropped on the ground and forgotten about. Um, 
in favor of just like a, a single battle. And I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't, like I don't, I don't have a good answer for how this should have gone. No, no, no. But no, like uh, it's like a force of nature bad guy, right? Like Sauron, yeah. right? You don't need to really understand all that much about Sauron, but you do need to understand some stuff. And I feel like we're just missing one one scene so, somewhere in the end to, to tell us just a little bit more to get that right. So basically that one scene in Return of the King where the mouth of Sauron's like blah, 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 blah. You wanted that scene, but for the Night Walk, uh, for the Night King. No, 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 no. Um, I'm th- I'm thinking something along, you know, like imagine a scene. W- one of the things about Lord of the Rings is that it literally opens with this stuff, right? Where the yeah. whole prologue, there's like a 20 minute prologue explaining about the alliance between elves and men and, you know, Isildur and everything like that. Game of Thrones has given us pieces of that prologue, right? But they've given us maybe 15 minutes when we needed the full 20, if that makes sense. Well, but so so, so what's that missing five minutes, right? That's what I I'm think saying, that, right? I think the missing piece is the connection between the Three-Eyed Raven and the Night King himself, right? We understand how the children of, forest, the children of the forest made the Night King and they made the White Walkers and stuff like that. You know, okay. even the mechanics of the baby gets turned into a White Walker because Craster is sacrificing them or whatever. What happened right? to that baby? Did they just, like, carry it with Th- that's a, That's the thing that got dropped on the ground that I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah. The, like it, <laughs> Like the baby was just like dropped on his head. Is that what you're? No, 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 no. Like the 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 plot thread gets dropped on the cutting room floor or something. Oh, not not, that's fair. Like, not the actual baby. In the super super far north, in this like White Walker village, that's being taken care of by other White Walkers. And then when the Night King dies, the A chain reaction they all ex- fucking explode or whatever. Like yeah, like maybe. <coughs> but I don't know. I mean, so I can see that, right? But there was that explanation on the last episode before the Battle of Winterfell where, like, um, like Bran does kind of just say, you know, the Night King wants my wants to, like, I guess, like, icicle him just so but that they he don't... can, like, kind of take over the world or something like that. Well, no, like, that, that's, that, that, is the, that is the thing that I want to the answer to. Why is the Night King fixated on the Three-Eyed Raven? Cause we've yeah, had why does he care so much? I see. Yeah, because okay. in season six, you know, Bran does the thing and he grabs brand's arm you know like all this other kind of stuff yeah okay um so. and, and and the answer we get is as dumb as Tyrion's justification for brand being king which is like oh god yeah you know he has well, the best story <laughs> well well and, and the answer the the answer that somebody gives i forget is that brand is knows all stories oh yeah, yeah like the world's memory yeah which I, is, I will be honest though when i when i first watched that part where he's like you know people believe in stories i just thought like you know it was very clearly like you know if if George R. R. Martin actually were to write something like that, it's it's his analogous uh, analog equivalent to um, how every Oscar winner wins like wins the Oscar for Best Picture because it tells the story of the magic of cinema, and like that's just like what like that's like a the film talking about the magic of cinema kind of moment because I feel like that that was like that it's was, definitely that, an author way. Let's talk about the king. Let's talk about the king stuff because like this is an important piece of kind of everything. Mango and I were. Um befuddled might be a good word at like the ridiculousness of all of this right like it was so bad you're talking about like when they're in the when they're doing the parlay right at the very end? yeah like Tyrion gets none of it makes any sense none hey, of it well, makes no, i'm just gonna throw that out there 
So there are parts of it that are, are good, right? Like, so the part where, like, Edward Kelly st- stands up and starts That is not good. Him. No, That's that is terrible. That was You're wrong. <laughs> it, is, it is hilarious, but it's hilarious it is, for it's the wrong, wrong reason. No, Edmir has been, like, a beta the whole time. Why would he do such an <laughs> awful move like that? It doesn't make any sense. It's also oh, very so, bathroom so It's is funny, he, 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 but it's poorly placed, right? Exactly. Literally Mango, right after Drogon falls with off Mango. with... Uh, Flies off with Daenerys' body, and then it's like wacky duty hijinks, right? Like, well, no, technically, it's like several weeks later. Technically, it's several weeks between that, right? It's not like immediately after Drogon, like, right? But there's no time in the context of the episode, right? I think it might actually be like directly after. It's like, no, that's impossible. No, 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 it's gotta be. It takes him several weeks to get from like the north. No, 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 not not in universe, like the actual minute to minute episode, like the frame. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They didn't let the they didn't let the death of Daenerys really. Yeah, the version of things where where Tyrion walks in because they're going to have a trial, and then he starts talking, and then Grey Worm very justifiably smacks him in the face and says, we've all heard enough words from you, and then Tyrion just keeps talking. talking. He just talks for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Oh my god. And he somehow convinces everybody to forget all their previous motivations and just go along with his plan. This, this is yeah. the central betrayal. Yeah, this is the central betrayal. Like, if I'm coming down from all of this stuff is ridiculous and hilarious and makes no sense, the central betrayal of the idea of this great council is that it is predicated on the exact same thing that started all of Game of Thrones, right? Like, Game of Thrones is a story about a succession crisis and how a succession crisis makes all of these people go, ooh, I want the Iron Throne, and they fight about it. Right. And so the idea that another succession crisis happens at the very end of the series, but it is wrapped up in one conversation where the fucking Prince of Dorn, POD himself, says I to Bran, someone he has never ever met or heard about in his life. And people are telling him that Bran is like the steward of this eldritch wizardry god thing. Like, I, it is, it is impossible for me to take any of that stuff seriously the same with Yara. The narrative left. like yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense for the iron isles to like because they all they do is raid the north and their no, only no, reason for not ruled? raiding was they were going to get independence and then she doesn't push for independence it doesn't yeah. make any sense the only person that does is the king's sister like oh my god sansa so undeserved so i think i think sansa's ending is good for sansa it just doesn't make sense in the in the context of the rest of the king's move like I think if you, this, we, you think it makes sense, what, what about it makes sense? I think that Sansa has always wanted this. I think the North has always wanted this. But she doesn't deserve it. Why not? Why doesn't she deserve it? She what did she, she do to deserve it? The North prior to Jon Snow getting back. This is what I don't what? understand, though. She this was basically I'm... kidnapped, a, a, a kidnapped victim of the Boltons when Jon wasn't like ruling. I mean, the thing is, like, she deserves it because the Northmen want her to be, like, Queen of the North, and they want to be independent. She also, like, she, she also yeah. rules in between, while John's cavorting with Danny. I also yeah. ju- I don't think that any of this is set up. Like, I think you could maybe make an argument kind of extra textually, right? Like, like oh, you know... Sansa thinks that the North should be free because Rob declared independence, right? And he died. And if she just folds the North back I mean, into the Seven Kingdoms again, his, his death was completely in vain. And so she's going to honor his, you know, she's going to honor his memory by fulfilling his dream of a free North. With the a counterpoint to that would be that the Boltons did the exact same thing. 
But that's the thing, right? Like, I th- like that is me completely making up a motivation, like, whole cloth, because it is not in the show for why Sansa should want the North to be free. Oh, like, sorry. there is... No, no there's, no, there's, there's plenty of motivation within the show for why the North... Her brother is the king. Her The only reason... She didn't want to bend the knee to Danny, but the fact that she can't even bend the knee to her own brother, like, is just so, beyond... So that... The only reason that they have the North to begin with is because she was able to get help from another kingdom of the Seven Kingdoms kingdoms and bring the knights of the veil north. exactly, exactly. Sure, and the wildlings so, and the it's giants very clear that and like, the, the nice watch but they the northmen still want to be free right like that's a very clear line yeah, that's, that's like yes, a but big... why do they get freedom and the iron isles so and so, 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 so so that's that's I mean, that's a different writing, problem like, like by that by that, that argument that's, why that's, entire, they that's not a separate kingdoms no 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 x that is that is a different argument than the one i made. yeah like so like i like i like an ending where like Dorne, the Iron Isles, and the North, and all decide that they're independent, and it's only the four kingdoms now. Like, I think that's a better ending, right? Like, I think that Sansa makes sense because, one, she hates, like, she has been through the ringer of Southern politics, and she hates it. And she very clearly doesn't like any of it and doesn't want to do with any of it. And I think this is another pacing problem, right? I think if they slow roll the season and they show Sansa being a more effective leader while Jon's cavorting with Danny, I think it makes more sense. They try and they, they, they actually textually call this out, right? They, they show, um, they, they show her leading. They show people liking the her and not being happy with Jon's The only thing that they showed her decision. doing was telling the secret to Tyrion. That was like her one play. That is, no, no, that's, 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 that's wrong. Seven. And in the beginning of season eight, there were plenty of times where it's like very clear. It's like, oh, I'm going to, I don't, I want to lead an independent North or like, I want the North to be independent, right? So they have that she constantly disagrees with John about this. This is, this is my problem. The independence I always felt was always hinged on the Lannisters and Cersei, right? That the Lannister power in King's Landing is why they wanted to be independent, which is why it is weird when, okay, you have a Stark or a fucking whatever, a three-eyed raven who has no whatevers on the throne who is your brother, you would all of a sudden go, okay. And even, even when they were calling for independence, that was under John as king in the north. The, so they like, wanted like, this independence is the with John uh, like, as king, but they also John are you saying that Sansa she... was the regent. Right, right, but are you saying that Sansa is reacting to just, like, the ephemeral idea of King's Landing and the South is the reason that she wants well, independence? Well, the, the North has always been that way. It's, it, I think yeah, you're I think wrong about North, the Lannisters thing, right? The, the North, it doesn't matter who the Lannisters, if it's the Lannisters or if it was the Baratheons or if it was the Targaryens. I think the North always wanted to just be independent regardless, right? Like, and the only I, I, I think it's slightly more I think nuanced. Ed could have, I think Ned could have asked for it if he wanted it. I, I, I think the only thing, no, I, I think no. the nuance here is that... Without the Ned, North, they wouldn't have won the uprising in the first place. Like, the, is that the North being content under Robert is the exception to the general rule of Westeros? And this is something that's told to us, right? It's not very well shown to us. I'll, I'll give you that. But the North is is constantly portrayed as always being kind of rebellious, um, except for when Ned is is cooperating with Robert because of because of oh, they they were both essentially the rebellion, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, was there, know, was there I, rumblings I of independence before point. the Mad King went mad? Yes. I don't recall. I think in the books, there's, like, an explicit storyline about how, like, the North rebelled at, like, several different points. Um, I have I a more interesting question, though. Buddy, you, you talked about how you wanted, uh, you said in 30 years there'd be a reboot, right? Like sure. a redoing of the show, right? Yeah. Um, a few questions. One, 
do you so in the book stannis is alive all the way up until the final book that they have which is before the winds of winter so do you change that entire storyline or do you add or remove characters and two like what if you were to do a reboot right like the first let's say four or five seasons are considered generally very good right Mm -hmm. like so how much do you think like how would a reboot even deviate from those right like how like like I, I don't. Oh, think... I see what you're saying. This is a very good question, actually. Because like, like, it's very think... clear that the reboot. Sorry. So it's very clear that you know you want a reboot because maybe the seventh season wasn't great or the eighth season was like, in your opinion, not great, right? Like, but the other previous seasons are much harder to like, like fixing that quote unquote is like you know not necessarily something that I think like people would be for or against. So this this is my this is my kind of perspective on like the show and the book and adaptational changes, right? Like I feel like most of the adaptational changes that the show made before season five, like seasons one, two, three, four, were all very good. And then seasons five, six, seven, eight is when the adaptational changes really started to kind of accumulate and sort of like gnaw at like the caustic edges of the show. Um, like there's a lot of stuff in the first season, uh, that I think is really like good that we never see in the book. There's this whole conversation between Rob and Cersei where, uh, King Robert explains that like, he was like, which is the bigger number five or one. And he does the open hand five, the closed fist one. And he's talking about the serious threat that like the Dothraki people actually do pose to Westeros while everybody is, you know, uh, brushing it off. He is unequivocally correct in that. And I think that that's a really great addition because in the books, yeah, like Rob is kind of just like a huge piece of shit. He just drinks and whores and he doesn't give a fuck about anything. But in the show, he actually does do, you know, a little bit of politicking in the sense that he understands the threat that Daenerys and Khal Drogo play in regards to his sovereignty as like as like ruler and there's a whole bunch of like little tiny things in here where there were changes from the book to the show that got made better like for instance in the book john doesn't hang out with tormund for most of season three right like he meets tormund at mance's camp but then he goes to climb the wall with somebody completely different who dies and it's like actually having that whole series of events where john and tormund and egret like climb the wall together and that is the basis for him and john to have a real relationship i think that stuff is really good i think the stuff where you know john leads the like leads the group of of rangers to go kill the mutineers at craster's keep is really good stuff those mutineers are killed by white walkers off screen in the books um and it makes john's ascension to lord commander a lot more tenuous uh because there isn't that like no like john has actually like led men in battle and then conversely stuff in season five six seven eight this is where it it gets bad because they they wrote um aegon out of the show do you guys know aegon yeah yeah he's like the he's the other king from westeros Mm. who comes in and he takes over the stormlands and he has the golden company and he allies yeah and he allies with dorne and stuff like that and there's all this stuff with dorne going on because the show wrote him out of the wrote him out entirely i think that there's a lot of there's a big gaping hole in season six and seven for one cersei to be contending with aegon to the southwest right consolidating power and doing stuff and two daenerys to be contending with aegon in the southwest this other popular targaryen king who got there before she did and starts you know railing against cersei and stuff like that so my hope is in the 30 years or whatever they will kind of follow a philosophy um 
where those first couple of seasons taking those liberties really did work out and was good and better right um and in the later seasons, that's when they actually fix shit hmm. does anybody else have, have have thoughts on on, on adaptation I feel like a brotherhood type path where because like brotherhood and the original have a fair bit of similarities in the first parts like maybe the first third and then just completely diverges because the uh manga had not been written yeah my, my understanding they, is also that the uh that that brotherhood goes through those first parts faster um and gets to the new stuff yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't mind that i would prefer something that stays maybe a little closer to the source material because I think I might be on board know. with that just because it would be something different. That way we're not kind of repeating yeah. ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think you would have to make some sorts of changes. And maybe you could make certain things like – so, for instance, one of the changes from book to show with regards to Rob is his wife, Taisha, um, who's from Volantis, right? She is completely a show invention. In the story uh, – in the books, rather, when Rob is taking that castle that he sacks, um, he is – like he takes an arrow or something like that and while he's hopped up on milk of the poppy he ends up boning the daughter of the lord of that castle and then kind of marries her out of obligation um which is you know see i think that's worse than what happened in the show right because yeah in the show it is much more tragic because rob is like unequivocally good in the book you can clearly point to say like just like his father right like rob kind of was honorable to a fault he probably shouldn't have done that marriage and should have like honored the marriage which with like the fray girl do you know what i mean yeah i don't know i feel like any adaptation or reboot is gonna like there's just gotta there's going to be eventual disappointment um well i think it should be an anime adaptation with gundams that would oh make my it God. perfect That'd be like, like Samurai Seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have another question. Um, does anyone think George R. R. Martin? Like, so I'm on record as saying the answer is no. Does anyone think George R. R. Martin is actually going to finish the two books he needs? Um, I think he's definitely going to finish Winds of Winter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think it is questionable about the next one, and if he does, I think you know my my big play is I want Brotherhood to happen with the same actors. Um, in like five or ten years, but I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't think it's. Yeah, that won't. I don't think but that would work because, like, some of them would be too old to. It, it would just be the last only... six seasons or so, right? Like, oh, oh, okay. Like no, but so so here's what my question though, right? Like, if he finishes the Winds of Winter, and he doesn't finish, um, hang on a second. If he doesn't finish the Dream of Spring, then do you still want to actually watch? Like, can you finish like a full TV show? Well, what they would probably do is what they do with other popular book series. They just get somebody else to finish. Like, it happened to Dune. It happened to Wheel of Time, I think. Does he have any kids? Don't quote me. Don't quote me on Wheel of Time, but I know it happened to Dune. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Christopher Tolkien has been putting out, like, you know, revised, like, notes or whatever. But um, those aren't... Ewan Colf, Col, uh, the the Artemis Fowl dude wrote another Hitchhiker's book, which is completely yeah okay, but like those aren't. I, I don't think those, in terms of quality, are any better than just like D and D deciding like we're gonna go off of like these like notes that George R. R. Martin gave us for like the end of the show, right? Like I I functionally don't think it's like much different. Like 
if you've actually read any of the books that were not Frank Herbert's Dunes, but like the ones written by like his son and like that ghost writer, like mm-hmm. they're pretty weird and kind of like trashy, terrible. And like they they kind of like um, directly undercut the uh, rest of his actual books. And I think it might just be the ending because the ending is very Mass Effect 3. Um, and so it's very bad. And so I think like if he doesn't finish a dream of spring, like I don't know if any remake is going to necessarily be better or live up to any expectations. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that a w- like the winds of winter is coming out, but I do, I do think there's something of a, qu- I mean, he's 70 years old, right? Like, <clears throat> and, and it also wouldn't not be, healthy. Yeah, like yeah. it wouldn't be crazy if, you know, he got winds of winter out and then wasn't able to get um, a dream of spring. On for the record though, he did make a bet uh, he said that uh, let me let me read this quote from an article. Noting that he is traveling to New Zealand in the summer of 2020 for the World Science Fiction Convention, Martin wrote, "If I don't have the winds of winter in hand when I arrive in New Zealand for Worldcon, you have my ri- you here you have here my formal written permission to imprison me in a small cabin on White Island overlooking that lake of sulfuric acid until I'm done. Just as long <laughs> as the acid fumes do not screw up my old DOS word processor, I'll be fine." So effectively, he's implying that's why that's why I feel like winds of winter will get written. You'll see, because no. he's basically saying that he's going to do that, um, be in prison in New Zealand to finish it, I, assuming he doesn't like suffer a heart attack or something. Yeah, I mean, we could, we'll probably have to imprison him in New Zealand because he won't have it done. I mean, maybe, who knows? Um, I wanted to ask you, you know what? Well, about, let's, like... let's 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 uh, let's 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 uh, stake it here. Um, oh my god, uh, oh my what's the prediction? Is is he done? By by Worldcon of twenty twenty, I'm going to say that he is. What and Zhao says he's not. What what the other three are calls? I have no idea. Yeah, I'll say he is. I'm going to put. I'm going to be optimistic, (laughs) even though I haven't read any of the books. All right. Yeah, I have like no vested interest. I have no idea. All right. So three, three, four, one abstain, one against. We'll see who's who's right. Um, and we'll uh, we'll, yeah. So we'll bring Zhao back on to either gloat at or be gloated at. So. about like the series as a whole right like uh, we we talk all the time with like star wars like ranking but like if you could rank do, do you think you could rank the seasons in terms of quality and what would that ranking look like it's probably something like season three then one then two uh then for me actually kind of like i don't remember four or five particularly well so I, my ranking would then be six and then four and five and then seven and eight um I think I just like the season six story. Well, I don't know if I like the season six storyline particularly well, but I like the fact that they stabbed Jon Snow to death. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, Why like, so you... I think season three had like was a uh, season three had was that the Red Wedding or was that Blackwater? Uh, season three was the Red Wedding was like the capstone. Okay, so season three definitely has to be like the best season. I think season one was also just like very good because it was like very um, even for its time it was like a it subverted expectations pretty well and was well-written. Mm. Um, oh, shit. Blackwater was, like, four then, right? Blackwater was two. Uh, Watchers on the okay. Wall, which is, like, Mance Raider's attack on the wall, is season four. Okay, then, then four yeah, is my order is... Imprisonment. My, my order then is still, like, it's it's three, one... Uh, sorry, three, two... Sorry. Three, one, two... Um, five, six, four, seven, eight... Um, because I think the Tyrion imprisonment and the trial by combat stuff, and then the this shooty shooty at his father was also very good. 
Wait, I'm sorry. So season four, the 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 what you have right season now is three is one. Season, f you have three one two five six four, four six five. Is it which season was the one where Tyrion uh, was put on trial? Four. Uh, into four okay. into five. I think. I think the actual five is when he arrives in Essos. Five. The end is, of okay, season right. four, okay. he kills his dad. Okay. Right. Right. So sorry. So my actual ranking is three, one, two, four. Six, five, seven, eight. Okay. All right, Charles uh, Powell. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think I can I can do to that degree because it's been a while since I I watched. Just the... just like just like wing it. We we trust you. <laughs> okay. Uh, probably. I really liked the Battle of the Bastards. That was honestly one of the coolest, uh, fights I've ever seen. So I put that one high up. I was spoiled for the Red Wedding because everyone was like, oh, man, it's, like, really big. But I had, like, book read – I had book reader friends at that time that were like, mm -hmm. yo, man, it's cool, but it's, like, not that good because, like, in the book, it's, like, it's like one small chapter. It's, like, not even really mentioned. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that that kind of tainted my brain on, on that one. So uh, Battle of Bastards, that was, what, season six? So, yeah, that's season six. Yeah. Uh, what was what was the big thing in season four again? Uh, Watchers on the Wall right? is Tyrion's imprisonment and Mance Raider attacking the wall. Oof, that was pretty dope. Uh, okay, yeah, I would pick four, uh, six, and then five, three, two, and one are all kind of jumbled. They're all pretty solid. And then uh, I would definitely put six, seven, eight further back. Definitely eight at the the very bottom. Okay, by a long shot. Okay, Mango, what's what's your what's your list? When when does the Hound fight Brienne? Uh, that is also season four. Right. Okay. I thought Man, so. everything everything cool happens in season four. <laughs> season, season four is my absolute favorite. I think it might be some of my favorite television ever. I think the allegiance to it, or what it leads into, is five is pretty good. So I'll go four, five, three, one, two, six, seven, eight. Okay. How about That's, you, buddy? Uh, man, this it, is actually like harder now that I'm actually like. Well, well, while you think about it, X, do you have an order? Um, not really, because I I didn't binge re binge watch everything. I just like watched certain scenes that I like. Like I, I rewatched the Battle of Gold Road. Mm -hmm. I rewatched the Battle of the Bastards. So I have a very fuzzy memory about what happened. But I would say that visually, like I think the Battle of Gold Road and the Battle of the Bastards are probably the most. Are those your high points for the series? In terms of the fighting, yeah, obviously the red wedding and the purple wedding are the height of the the drama part, the politics part. I think the single. I actually best... didn't think Tyrion's Tyrion like killing his dad was that deal. But I thought that was I guess that, that is that the turning point. Pretty big deal. No, it was a big deal for him, but like I, I just didn't. It didn't resonate with me as much as I think it resonated with other people. Hmm. Um, and then like that is kind of like the turning point where he starts getting dumber and dumber. So maybe he also. So do you have an do you have an do you have an order? Uh I have no idea. Probably Just going by battles then. Let's just say your favorite battles in order and then we'll just Yeah, I think we'll my favorite battle was probably visually the Battle of Goldroad, then okay. Battle of the Bastards. Um the taking of Casterly Rock was or uh sorry, High High Garden was actually I think that was, that was the also, same that, episode. Yeah, that was the yeah. same season, season seven. But the the taking of High Garden was visually pretty good, even though they don't really show any of the fighting, they just show like the formations and stuff. Um I like the aerial shot they did when Stannis uh surprises the wildlings in the forest. Like okay, where they had like the two wings the two wings of the uh eh. I don't know. I think most of the battles in Essos were kinda meh. 
And then like season eight, you know how I feel about freaking Battle of Winterfell. Jesus Christ, it was so bad. <laughs> well, the people at home don't. Okay. What, what, what do you think about the Battle of Winterfell? I think they did just about everything wrong that they could do wrong. Like on a tactical, strategic level. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it yeah. looked good, except for obviously, like some people were saying it was too dark, um, like the the the, the lighting. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like in terms of like showing the the horse charge with like the flaming artillery in the background, yeah, that's I a mean, really cool scene cinematically. It just like doesn't make sense within the universe that they had already built. Yeah, well, I was talking with Mango about this. We were talking about our favorite episodes of season eight. And something that I do have to give Game of Thrones a lot of credit for is that over time, it has gotten much, much better uh, on like a cinematographic level, right? Like the filmmaking behind it is extremely good and has only gotten better as time mm-hmm. has gone on. Um, and so I do, you know, and and given that the Battle of Winterfell is the episode with the least amount of writing, I feel like it just kind of ends up by default being the best episode of the season because it is relying so much on, you know, well-directed, well-edited, well-shot, you know, filmmaking rather than these awful scripts. Um, <laughs> well, what's, what's, I mean, your, seems, what's your Episode ranking? two had a, a anyway, lot yeah, of Yeah, yeah, okay, hold on. I, I, I can do my real order. All right, I'm going to go. So season four, I think I just kind of have to begrudgingly give this one. It actually doesn't have too much of my favorite moments of the series, but it just has so many good ones that I can't, like, fault it. You know what I mean? It has Brienne versus the Hound. It has, you know, Oberyn Martell, who might be my favorite character. Um, it has Tyrion's trial. It has the Purple Wedding. It has Watchers on the Wall, which I do think is an extremely well done battle, even if the very very end of it kind of sucks, um, and the lead into the next episode also kind of sucks. Um, but then I think my second favorite is probably season six, specifically because I like season six for. Um, Did you also like when John got stabbed multiple times? Uh, so that was in season five. Um, season six is when he gets resurrected. Yeah, six is when he gets resurrected. And I do like Wait, the resurrection there? and stuff like oh, that. But but the yeah. end of season six, when Cersei blows up the Sept of Baelor, was like I was actually really wavering on that season right up until that moment. And that moment was so good. I actually remember talking to you about this, Charles. Like we both flipped out. Just like I, fuck, I loved that scene so much. Exactly. Like talking Everything about, about it is right? so like, good. It's so, so good beautiful. and so cool. Um, that amazing. I just like you know couldn't uh couldn't you know I do think that there's some problems with, like the Battle of the Bastards but there's also the battle at uh Marine which I just love with Drogon showing up and really for the first time ever going <sighs> ham on like an enemy army was just like the coolest shit when he's like burning all was this and- oh this was like the, when they were sieging it from the bay or whatever right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. they they actually showed like what a trebuchet is supposed to look like. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and then um, like in the, and then in the Battle of Winterfell they showed two different types of trebuchets. Yeah. Like it just it just boggles my mind how and like how from, detailed it used to be and then like how it just sort of like stopped being as from, detail-oriented. From there it goes like season 2, which I like a lot more than other people for some reason. Season 1, season 3, season 5, 7, 8. eight. Yeah. I actually really like season seven. I like I like it more than it is good, if that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm with you um, on that. Because like the the Battle of the Gold Road is legitimately fucking awesome. And even if bad plan is bad and super stupid, that whole episode of like them going north of the wall, like being bros, was also like awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, so, yeah, the, like, the, the fellowship. It, the fellowship it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I give it points for like executing its really stupid shit 
in the best way possible. I agree. I agree. I agree. How hardly on that. <laughs> they literally were like being freaking SEAL Team Six or something. It just didn't. But it the didn't fellowship. make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. That plan <laughs> is so stupid. <laughs> the the the, uh, the the conversation between Tormund and the Hound is probably my favorite. I like I I, I love all. Oh of that yeah stupidity. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah. Season six also has the moment where you find out the Hound is still alive and has Ian McShane in that one character, mm. who I also very much enjoy, just because Eric? Ian McShane is such a treat. No 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 no. He's the guy you know who's he's building McShane. the church. He's, he's the hippie. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 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 violence right. is a disease. You don't cure it by spreading it to more people, like that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of Ian McShane well, I, lately. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's been all around because he was in Hellboy and he was also in John Wick. Um, but I think my favorite episode of the series, in like some total, has to be Hard Home, which is kind of crazy because I did rank season five pretty low down there, and that's because Dorn is pretty awful. Um, but Hard Home. I think is the best battle episode, and I will fight anybody. Okay, you have to, you're going to have to justify this. Come on. It, so the, the cool thing about Hard Home is that it actually it, it sets the clearest kind of stakes, and it is the one that doesn't rely on kind of like tropes um, as much as the other ones. Like this is what brings down the Battle of the Bastards for me. Like I actually like the battle itself insofar as you know it's shot well and it's like interesting. But we have watched a like another army come in and clean up the overwhelming attacking force two times by now right because it happened in the battle of Bla in blackwater bay tywin and loris tyrell clear out stannis with their cavalry and it happened with stannis and mance raider at the wall right so that that happening again for the third time i just felt like it was really predictable it was very kind of like telegraphed that that was going to happen i also felt like that the build-up to it was pretty not great like you know john sansa, being bad john john is bad and sansa is being bitchy for no reason and you know like davos is being an idiot and like just like i feel like there was a lot of um there's a lot of like all of our heroes were kind of holding the idiot ball in order to like raise the stakes enough so that like this extremely predictable thing ha that we all know is going to happen happens. To um, be fair, the Boltons are also kind of stupid because they had oh, twice as many troops and they decided to fight, which I guess makes sense, but they could have just stayed in the castle. This is why, yeah, I actually, I, I talked about this in my cast before. I think that the best redesign of the Battle of the Bastards is one where it is a, it is kind of like a tactical move by John, where he's like, well, listen, you know, Littlefinger can bring up the, you know, can bring up the Knights of the Vale, but as soon as they show up, all the Boltons are going to do is hole up in Winterfell, and we're going to have to siege them down in the winter, and we're all going to die, and it's going to suck. The only way that we win this battle is if I can bait him out by showing up with a, with an inferior force. That's how they dealt with Stannis. That's how he's going to deal with me. What you have to do, Sansa, is get here in time so that the Knights of the Vale can kill Ramsay and all of his dudes before we all die. And then it's like a race against time sort of thing like the that would be i would is... i would be down for that premise yeah, yeah the only yeah. problem is then they have to fix the battle of winterfell if, if yeah, john yeah. is that good of a tactician they have to fix the battle of winterfell. <laughs> yeah, but, that... so, but, but this is why i like hard home a lot right because hard home first of all it's not even set up as a battle it's just set up as oh like let's go to this place and do this all happens off screen on the books too by the way um so it is a one a good change in season five um from 
uh, the earlier seasons where in the books, John just sends a bunch of guys to do this and it's a huge fucking disaster. Um, so, but then like the, the interaction with the wildlings and like killing the Lord of bones and meeting that one light wildling chieftain, who's the mother and stuff like all of that stuff I thought was so like good and kept me on my toes better than basically every other battle in the series such that when like the white walkers did actually show up and especially with that final you know like iconic the night king raises his arms just staring at Jon snow as john is you know paddling away in like this dinghy or whatever mm. that was like that was so great and uh, I really want to give that shout out to Hard Home. Good job. Best episode of the series. <laughs> the thing about Hard Home is that it's only in the last 20 minutes. It's not a full end-to-end battle episode, which I actually think works in its favor um, because it is tighter for that reason. Yeah. You know, like, you that's are, fair. It doesn't overstay its welcome, and there's not a whole bunch of like humdrum buildup. Um, it just kind of like gets into it, which is, which, is, which is great. I feel you on that. Hard Home is definitely a good fight. Is, is Hard Home, your favorite episode? No, it's not my favorite, but it's it's very solid. Yeah, what is your favorite? Do you, have, do you have a favorite? I think I do really just like the Battle of the Bastards. Fair just, enough. It, it is the, it the is grimy, which which is something that, which is why I like the fight between the Hound and Brienne so much. Is it's like if it, it feels very real, right? Like horrors of war rather than kind of like you know yeah. a, lot, a lot of fantasy tends to be like. And then the good guys were really good. And the bad yeah, guys I mean, like really the, the Actually, combats the combats were pretty good in the show too. Now like that both, I, now that I, I just ones. looked this up, the Battle of the Bastards is actually not a full battle episode either because it begins in Marine and it is when uh, Daenerys like like devastates you know like there is no full battle episode except for Val Winterfell. No, no, no. Blackwater, Winterfell, and Watchers on the Wall are all end to end full battle episodes. And I do think Watchers on the Wall is fucking amazing. By the way, the thing that sucks about Watchers on the Wall is the very end of it is just like a complete like anticlimax. Um, and maybe that's kind of the point. Like at the end of it, when John like walks through the tunnel, and you're just like, wait, seriously. Like all of this, you know, like all of this stuff happened. All of these people just like fucking died. Like Pip just gets like shot with an arrow, and he gets like thirty seconds. And I don't know. I, man, Game of Thrones used to be so good. I'm like remembering all of the good. <laughs> uh, this is this is very funny to hear you say like Game of Thrones used to be so good because when we started watching the 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 eighth season and I was shitting on it, you were like, "No, man, it's good." No, no, no. <laughs> and you were no, all... no, because I was so you know like I was so willing to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. It is hard, right? Like it's hard to make satisfying television. I mean, it's hard to do anything like creative like this. So I have a lot of sympathy for people. And like the version of like the world I was living in is one where Game of Thrones was kind of teetering under its own weight, right? Like these are all people right. who are making millions of dollars per episode and there's a whole bunch of them. It's this gigantic cast and they're all in like movies now because Game of Thrones has like catapulted them to stardom. So I had a lot of sympathy with this kind of understanding that like, well, maybe Game of Thrones is just so expensive that, and but at that's the end not of the what day, HBO said. I know. It's like well, the opposite of what HBO said. Right, right. HBO but said, well, we want that, that's seasons. the point that Buddy is building to X. Right, like, oh, okay. but, and so I was operating under this assumption, right? I was operating under this assumption that like, they were really trying their hardest to make it work. And that th- these things just kept, kept falling through the cracks because, you know, like, what are you going to do? It's this huge apparatus and it got right. out of control or kind of like whatever. And then fucking Rhaegal gets shot by Euron 
three times. And I just had this moment where I was like, they just don't care. They just don't fucking care. Is and that when is that when you broke, buddy? For uh, yeah, for like a season and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what. That's happened. exactly when you joined that's Team exactly Hate. Why, why, why is that the moment that made you say they don't care? I, I it's just so stupid. It's so stupid. No, but why? It's why? it's it, it's not entirely inconsistent within like the framework of the show that, that they established. How is like, it let's look at let's look at episode you, seven from the from the from the deck of a ship from the deck of a ship right the ballista flies off screen right completely out of nowhere and takes danny and the dragons by surprise. who are in the air and should be able to see really long distances yeah and and the the crossbows hit three times back to back you know it's not just Regal took one shot to the wing and he can't fly and he falls it's he gets shot in the chest he gets shot through in the neck the wing in the, and then he gets shot in the fucking neck and then he dies and it's like all th- uh, what are in you really kidding? quick succession mind you and in really immediately afterwards it shows how long it takes to reload the bolt yeah and so then like it breaks just its flies universe away. immediately and its then, own rules no, in the next episode the same bolt. daenerys like, same weapon. effortlessly effortlessly devastates the iron fleet right completely counteracting the rules of the world which is that these scorpions are really fucking dangerous right they got established an episode earlier did she change her tactics at all not really she flies in from the direction of the sun but then she's just doing the big old strafing and there is like a hundred of these ships how do they not land a shot who knows apparently <laughs> they just are all bad at this point you know, and then like you she destroys all the ballistas on the wall too there's literally like a hundred ballistas and so like, even the you're, like, you're telling me they took a hundred shots and they missed all hundred. And it's not like and they're showing how Daenerys makes one sweep with her dragon and the Lannister army immediately deserts and abandons their post. And so she's just cleaning up the ballistas for posterity, right? It's not like, you know, in the Iron Fleet or whatever, it's showing these people being mortally terrified of Drogon, who is the reincarnation of Balerion the Black Dread, the biggest dragon to have ever ravaged westeros right no they just don't care they just don't <laughs> care and that's that's when i broke that's when i was just like oh well actually that's not true really when i broke is when daenerys like murders the people of king's landing in a complete like wanton absolute and- nothingness but like the moment when i was like you know what Maybe these guys don't deserve my fucking sympathy after all. Was when Rhaegal got shot. That was like the beginning of the end. Okay, so here, quick question, because I I found I saw that article about how like D and D's like we're like yeah we can do this in seventy two hours. I think this is this is the story we wanted to tell. I showed you that before you decided you were done with the show, aka before uh, episode six. Uh, yeah, so, th- so that is just, that's so what just did me. you think of that prior, and then what did you think of that after you saw? Because, it? because I I did think they could legitimately stick a landing, right? Like you know there is a possibility, right? Because uh, like these actors are very good actors, right? They're very good. Clark, Kit Harrington, you know Peter Dinklage, these guys are all like great, and so maybe the end of the show does it justice, right? Um. You know, in the sack of King's Landing, Daenerys d- makes her makes her choice, and she does something abhorrent in order to 
you know, exert her authority over the course of King's Landing and it's portrayed well. And then in season six, it's also portrayed well. And then all of the kingdoms split apart and the Iron Throne is burned and King's Landing is a ruin because that's like the message of the show. It's this kind of like, oh, power corrupts sort of thing. You know, like, or or they could have gone with my preferred ending, which is the one where Danny ends up on the throne because the message of the show is you need equal parts of compassion and ruthlessness. No, the message of the show it. would be that you have to be born to power otherwise you suck yeah, ah. I mean, you know, like, whatever the case yeah. you know like whatever the case may be there are plenty of ways that like the landing could have been stuck uh mm. but but like the combination ah, it's just like there is no way to get me on board with the destruction of king's landing where daenerys just snaps right like that that was absolutely bad and wrong and it was unforgivable at that point even if they had yeah, stuck the landing in, 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 in episode is. six i don't think they ever i ever would have been okay with that like with that moment it would have been it would have immediately been a non-starter for me the fact that no. they went into episode six and then like doubled down on all of this shittiness you know that just makes it easy that just makes all of like the haterade go down <laughs> i think i think that the so the so first of all i think that in five years if you rewatch this you're not going to think the same thing no uh, i keep... disagree 100 percent. yeah i pretty <laughs> pretty hardcore disagree i mean about about what are you talking about the daenerys burning king's landing thing yeah you're talking about you the whole season like you're you i think you would see daenerys as a different character right like because like she's not like the entire thing I, I think the only reason that there's any particular conflict is because you have some sympathy for the characters in West. Listen, Road, listen, listen, Jack. The ones in Essos. Mm, and then no. what ends up happening Jow, is Jow, Jow. Daenerys. Let, let, let like, me lay this out. Through through this is this is what the text has to say about Daenerys, right? Tyrion, who is effectively in that last episode the voice of god right he is the person who gets to pick who goes on the iron throne he's the person who sets the rules for what succession will look like on the iron throne and he becomes hand of the king right who is right. you know effectively the ruler of the kingdom what he yeah. says about daenerys in episode six is if you add up the bodies of my my father was an evil man cersei was an evil woman and if you add up all of the bodies of all of them it will never come close to what Daenerys did, right? That is the show positioning Daenerys as the ultimate evil character, the ultimate villain, right? Who is not, she, he, she is not morally complicated. She isn't a tragic figure, right? She is the worst character in this show because she has the highest body count. That's the moral that the show is acting on. There's no way to make that work for me. Like, I just... That's bad. That's bad writing, and it will be bad writing five years from now, and it'll be bad writing three years from so, now. So like, I think in the same way that they don't show Daenerys as as uh, being evil enough earlier in the show, I also don't think they actually position her as being the worst character on the show. I think, like, in the kind of same wisdom of Stalin, right, like, one death is a tragedy, a million deaths is a statistic, I still think the show wants you to think that um, that Tywin and Cersei are worse people than Daenerys, even though she, I, if even though like in the fridge you think she murdered a bunch of innocent people, I think that the show doesn't necessarily want you to think that. I think the only evidence that the show has any sympathy for Daenerys in the last couple of episodes um, is Drogon. Is that it was when she dies, right? Drogon is really sad, and he's a sad puppy, and he picks her up and he carries her off, right? Also, um, Jon Snow that, is a sad puppy. 
Yeah, but th- that's the thing. Jon Snow is not sad because of like he is not sad over Daenerys. He is sad over the events, right? No, he's Daenerys sad over. Becomes... He is very clearly sad over Daenerys. That's no, why, no, his, but, why his why his Daenerys... line is you know you're my queen my, my queen forever or whatever it is. He is not sad over a character. He's sad over a plot object. This is the this is what I. This is the point that I made last week on the podcast, right? Like, in that throne room scene, we are never in a point of view. And for the last couple of episodes of the series, we're basically never in Daenerys' point of view anymore. And we don't get to see her side of things, right? We have these fleeting moments for, like, I guess, vague kind of hand-waving at her and what her thought process and what she's thinking and all of this kind of stuff. But for the mo- for the majority of the time, she is a plot object to be manipulated around by Tyrion and by Jon Snow, and we are firmly in their points of view. And so, like, that is, that's the thing where it's not like Jon and Daenerys are two real characters having a real conversation. Daenerys is just saying things that are going to put the knife that john inevitably stabs into her heart in the same way that like the prop knife in a butcher shop scene is there to cut the prop meat do you know what i mean i like i i I see what you're saying and i I agree with kind of your your assessment of of daenerys but i don't think that that means that john snow isn't sad about daenerys right like even though they transform her from a, a real character into a plot object or like you know, a round character into a flat one. That doesn't mean he's not sad about her. John is mourning what he had to do to her. I don't think John is mourning her. Nobody in the series mourns her except for Drogon. That's what I mean. Yeah, I, 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 I think yeah, John mourns her. I, I think that's. Un- I don't think that's. that's, that's does when does John? When does John mourn her? They don't show him mourning her except the only for thing after he, he puts says her down. Is he asks Tyrion if he did the right thing. I think that's that's it. And he is really sad, right? But I don't think that he – nobody nobody eulogize. maybe that's what I'm really getting at, right? Like nobody eulogizes her, if that makes sense. That, and like, so I, I think that's fair. And, and, and uh, you know what? I think I have to admit this lives in kind of my impressions of John. Um, like I also think that like John's just – like I think John being broken and being done with this kind of world and walking north of the wall – um, is is part and parcel of this, but I admit that, that yeah, lives yeah, a yeah. lot in interpretation land rather than in, in text land. Yeah, I think that that is more like that's supposed to be what the, the, is the case rather than like what's actually on screen. So I, I agree with you that that is supposed to be what we're seeing, but it's just like not set up, so it's not delivered. And this is kind of why we keep having to go to like the after the episode bullshit because like without the con, you know, the context of the showrunner saying, oh. She just fucking snaps for no reason. Like we she, really forgot don't have the, good... she forgot about the Iron Fleet. Don't forget she that. She forgot line. about the Iron Fleet, right? Like, oh my god! Like, you know what? I, I, I was I'm showing I'm... you these exact things that you're laughing about right now, buddy. Eight, like an uh, episode three. Listen, if or... you want me to eat that crow, I am happy to chow down. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because it is it is very true that I was willing to go to bat for these guys, and I am not anymore. Like, you know, I, I've, yeah. I've I've never been a fan of Death of the Author, but this series makes me want to be because I, I can... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Death of the Author is useful in in certain contexts, but this one is just like. Oh, it's so hard because like they sit there and they tell you we think we can do this in seventy two hours or whatever it is. It's like oh boy, oh god, okay. Yeah, All yep, right. it's pretty ridiculous. <sighs> oh. Yes. 
I feel like I, you know, I don't know that I would ever call Game of Thrones my, you know, like anything close to my favorite television. Um, but there are definitely like TV shows that I come back and like I watch and I'll rewatch and I'll go watch it again, right? Like Community or like Arrested Development or like you know Futurama stuff like this. Well, those are all comedies. What's like a like a drama one that I that I'll come back? Well, I like The Wire or like any of yeah. these other kind of big drama HBO. Breaking shows, Bad. So. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Oh, talk about a fucking really great ending to a really great series. Better Call Saul, right? I've seen that like four times. Um, I really wonder, like, do you have any plans to just like go back and rewatch the whole series, but like maybe like not the last episodes? Like, how do you how do we deal with like that? I think there's enough clips on YouTube where if I'm ever getting the itch, I'll just watch it. I secretly really just want to write fan fiction. I just want to, like, rewrite the whole eighth season. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure you and, like, thousands of others. So I think think that my question is, like, what plot points would you explicitly change? So, like, not the between stuff that leads to, like, the different plot points, which I think people thought was weak, but, like, what explicitly would you change about these things? Like, how would you end it differently? As we've like, been tr- trying to say, Joe, I, I, like, Buddy and I are not upset about the plot points themselves. It's about how we got there. No, no, no. Like, and, and you know, and I've laid out a couple of things inside of this. Like, what did I say? I said, like, the thing with, um, like, Sansa, like, I think that that, you're like, I think it is a legitimately good reason for Sansa to want independence for the North to honor Rob's legacy, right? So, like, putting that stuff, just to kind of, like, explain some of these plot points a little bit better. I mean, I probably, you know, if I were to actually go through with this and write fan fiction, I would probably rewrite, No, 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 what you don't want is fan fiction, right? What you want is basically, you want to create a fan film where, like, you have, like, the major plot points uh, interspersed with like I guess like you wearing like red hair and being Sansa and being like blah 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 to give like that sounds pretty funny that's what I'm saying right like so I I think I think the eighth season was fine I don't think it was particularly good I don't think it was particularly bad I think like what the eighth season was designed to do was just to give you like here is what happens um, and it doesn't really give you any of the interconnecting tissue that you actually want to go from uh, major plot point to major plot point, which yeah. is like you know. But that's what makes it bad. Yeah, that, that well, is exactly that, yeah. what yeah. makes no, it no, bad. No, no, that I is think, what we, that's what the show is sold on. And 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 I'm literally willing. I am absolutely the most willing person in the world to forgive this. Right. This is my principal criticism of Batman vs Superman, one of my favorite films that I've watched a gazillion fucking times. Right. Is that it lacks a lot of that narrative arthritis. But as long as it's delivering on the stuff that I want it to deliver on, I'm more than happy to forgive it its faults. Right. Um, the fact that this show so you don't doesn't like the show because your favorite character did not get the ending you want. No, 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 like... no, no. It is. N- this is not. This is not. Oh, Danny is my waifu, and I'm sad that she didn't end up on the Iron Throne. Like, yeah, sure, I would have liked that ending, and that would have been, you know, that would have been nice and everything like that. But I'm more than willing to accept an ending that is different, or even one that like chastises Danny and Danny's like people, like fans and stuff like that. Uh, that's fine. The there's a there is a difference between this is a character I like a lot and who I empathize with perhaps more than some of these other characters and I want her to win and this character was written poorly in the final season. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so so I, I think I think Zhao might have a point. What it sounds like though is what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you would have been okay with Danny being poorly written if she did end up on the throne. 
you know, maybe, yeah. I probably would be willing, I would like... be much more willing to accept a version of things where that is the case. That would be a lot like Batman versus Superman, right? Where it does the thing that I want it to do in a way that I wouldn't consider to be the greatest. Do you know what I mean? I mean, so, so there's like there's like a few major plot. There's only there's a few plot points for Danny the character during season eight, right? And the two major ones are basically one. Uh, she she has that heel turn during the Battle of King's Landing where she burns mm-hmm. everything, and two is she dies, right? Like those are like two things that are like kind of unchangeable for her as a character, and those are like the. So I think the thing is like a lot of people watch Game of Thrones because they wanted to see what happens next, and sometimes you got great scenes out of that, and I think those are the two big happens next to Danny within this particular season, right? Yeah, I mean, if uh, I was writing if I was writing fan fiction, I wouldn't change those two things probably. Like that would be right. fine. So so then the thing is like. If you if you wouldn't change those things, then you can see a path towards Danny deciding, "Fuck it, I'm burning all of King's Landing," and you can see a path towards you know like Danny dying and that being an appropriate particular ending, right? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, if but... it's not the plot points, then it's just the interconnecting tissue that leads to those plot points. And basically, like like I understand that like so there's there's two levels, right? One, there's the conceptual level of like what the plot ought be, and two is how they executed to get to that plot. I understand that people don't like, and I also agree, like, you know, there are parts of the time when, like, the, the execution of the plot was bad, but the actual, like, conceptual point by point, I don't think that, like, that's bad, right? And I think the weirdest way to think about it is, like, if you read this as, like, a summary on, like, the Game of Thrones wiki, you'd be like, oh, that's neat, that was good. But if you didn't watch the actual episode, you're like, well, that's kind of weird how they got there. Like, none of this, like, it, it was just, like, a series of disjointed points, right? I do think I would make a bigger change than what you're talking – like, the, 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 I, in the last podcast, I laid out a change for how the, the Battle of King's Landing goes out, right? Like, instead of having it be all about the bells, it's about Drogon. And so, John and – like, imagine this. John and Tyrion are trying to convince Danny not to use Drogon in the final battle of King's Landing, right? That they have superior forces and he, she should trust John to lead those forces to victory. The fear being, because Tyrion knows King's Landing, that if Danny uses Drogon, she's going to ignite the wildfire. It's going to be tons of collateral damage, right? And so she has to stay out of the fight, right? And then in the battle itself, when, you know, like when the fighting breaks out and it looks like it's not going to go her way, right? Like that she might not win this fight. She chooses to mount Drogon, you know, burn the Golden Company and set off all of these wildfire things and it destroys all of King's Landing. A million people die. It's a horrible travesty, right? And she no, did that, it just that, to sit in the chair. changes the plot point, right? The, the plot point isn't that like, she's like, oh, I had no choice, but I, I just, I had to, you know, like, like, first of all, if, if, if that was the case and then she still did everything exactly the same, like she like goes up from the sky, dives down, burns your own fleet, like just goes sideways and avoids all of the like giant like scorpions for some reason that can't turn. And you'd still be like, oh, okay, I can understand that. But you've just changed that fundamental plot point, right? That plot point isn't just that she burns King's Landing. It's that she does it and it's like a terrible thing to do. And, and like you're do- basically softening that particular blow by saying like, well, it was a justified kind of action, right? But I like, do that, think that that blow deserves to be softened. Danny does why? not do horrendously cruel things without justification, right? Like the she blow does either needs to be softened or it needs to be better justified in the lead up. Yeah, I think that we we've seen in the past that like she she is it's not enough. Just be like it's not well, it's not all of Slaver's Bay or you know like I I don't think 
Like, yeah, but when she was going to burn Slaver's Bay, she was going to do it to kill the masters, not to kill the slaves. It kind of feels yeah, like she burned King Benny to kill the slaves. So, Zhao, I think that's unfair because we never get beyond her saying, you know, I'm going to do it, which, you know, the details that come out, like, you know, if you take her that, like, she was going to burn everything and everybody, yes, but I don't think that's a fair thing to say, right? Like, yeah. but I think, if, I think that Danny's character includes a lot of points where she's just disproportionately, like, a, a, a cruel person, right? Like, she's just like, oh, all of these Dothraki are going to burn to death. Uh, or this person's like, you fucked me over once, like, you're going to starve to death in this empty gold vault. Like, good fucking luck. Um, or, like, you know, like, she... She has think, elements where she's a disproportionately cruel person, where she's just like, I'm going to go overkill. And I think you're, you want that to be like justified to say, like, oh, no, this was fine, right? I think it's consistent with that. So, it's not, it, first, it is not fine, right? Like, I, to, to be clear, it would be a travesty and it would be awful for Daenerys to say, putting my butt on the, the Iron Throne is worth the death of a million innocent people in King's Landing, right? Like, do you but know that's what I mean? What ends up happening? Like she, right, she that's says not that... true. What ends up happening is Danny has won the final battle. Those bells are ringing, and she decides to kill everyone in King's Landing anyway. That is the part that uh, that is the part of that plot point that I think is untenable. Right? No. You can't unless you show it, unless you really rewrite the build up to all of this stuff. You can't have a version of things where Danny destroys King's Landing out of wanton unmotivated cruelty do you know what i mean the thing is that any kind of particular ending like so so if she had stopped at the once the bell started ringing like the entire point of that was like to essentially let cersei escape right because that that would have allowed her like either some ability to like negotiate her way out or otherwise like leave right like that would have shown like left some threat to her kingdom right like so i think that it's it's not like the best justification but like fine i can see like because like the idea, but she I, wouldn't have all known because she didn't. Is extra textual. This we, is also like somehow she doesn't know that Jamie escapes. Like what? Like, like speculation. All, yeah, yeah. First of all, she burns the streets of King's Landing wantonly, right? She does not go straight for the Red Keep. They literally show her like carpet bombing street by street, right? Cersei is already dead. The Red Keep is already like fully destroyed. No, 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 no. That doesn't happen until she goes into like the burning carpet bomb mode yeah but she could have just carpet bombed the red keep she didn't have to do like yeah. if it, everything if, outside if, of it right if, if the is focus that, is no no, no, no then your argument is just that danny was being over like was what danny's actions uh is considered as overkill right but she has in the past done a lot of things that are overkill right like i think killing all of the dothraki leaders because like they're like ha 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 you are a woman or whatever or like locking that guy in the gold like i thought that was disproportionately cruel i think that it's perfectly fine to like that is a character flaw of danny which is just that she is disproportionately cruel to anybody who opposes danny has always been able to differentiate between rulers and the people who are ruled right this is the difference between masters and slaves this is also the difference between the calls and the people inside of their colossars right danny does not burn the entirety of vase dothrak she kills the calls and then walks out of the fire and recruits the dothraki into her cause well that's and part I, of their culture though it's like if you kill the call you become the new call 
Right, and and but that's but that's exactly my point, right? Like Danny yeah. thinks of herself as a liberator, so she is definitionally able to see a difference between the common folk whom she has a really demonstrable amount of empathy for, right? Like this is the person who sees slaves who are crucified, and she personally stops to personally feed that guy water, right? And the rulers who inflict cruelty upon those people. If you want to tell me that the burning of King's Landing is disproportionate cruelty, okay. But Danny is not disproportionately ex- inflicting cruelty on Cersei. She's disproportionately uh, inflicting cruelty on the common folk in King's Landing. And all we have ever seen about Danny's interaction with the common folk who are who are being tyrant, like who are under the heel of a tyrant is that she has nothing but compassion and empathy for these people, right? So this is the core problem that I'm trying to attack. But there are several things in, like, the previous episode as well as, like, before the actual battle where it's, like, somewhat established that, you know, like, Danny considers it legitimate that if you sack King's Landing, like, you send a strong enough message to avoid further fighting, like, elsewhere because, like, everybody else will just, like, fall in line. Because you know King's Landing was destroyed by her dragon. Right? I mean, if I John I, if John hadn't killed her, let's let let's do the hypothetical. If John hadn't killed her and she ends up sitting on the Iron Throne, who's gonna rebel against her after she carpet bombed listen, listen. the most prosperous city in the realm? The only textual evidence for that is the is the moment where John rebuffs her when she wants to fuck, right? And she's like, "These people have no love for me, so let it be fear." If you are hinging that entire philosophy on that like one line that line is doing a lot of heavy lifting like boy you know what i mean it's just i just don't think it is it's not well supported it is not supported in the text and so if i were to make changes to it i would absolutely make changes no 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 no, no. first of all like you literally like it's very clear that like danny in essence is different than danny in westeros right like that's why she even gets to that particular line because she's talking about how in Estos, like, there was, like, love for her there. But, like, here, there's only fear, right? So, like, I don't think that you can necessarily, like, and especially since, like, the Targaryens, like, especially Danny and, like, her brother, like, had established reputations within Estos throughout various different cities, like, prior to the start of the show. And, like, was able to, like, you know, build a reputation over the course of five or six seasons there. And then she's only shown up for a very short amount of time in westeros like i think that's a perfectly legitimate way to say you know like there's backing from the text right i think that like her statement that she only has fear there is like perfectly fine as a statement so so i that is precisely my point like if you are going to make that argument that line is doing all of the work essentially and it's just not enough right like there is a difference between character development and like I think what you want to add, which is just that, oh, no, like, this is definitely a last resort. Uh, I'm reluctantly getting on Drogon and going to burn the entire city down. I think that that's not much stronger than that particular line, right? Like, unless you no, have it, like, it is, right? Like, that, that, it is. Like, oh, it, no, this is a last see, see, you're making the same mistake that you're accusing Buddy of, which is you want her to be a cruel tyrant. Honestly, I do, too, because I think that's the way the character should go, right? But... That needs to be backed up with more kind of writing um, as as it uh, – like more writing to build up to that. And if we're living in fantasy I mean, land where, we, where we're rewriting sure. the so plot, right? Like Buddy is just as justified. 
And by the way, I, I do want to say, I don't mind a crew. Like, so for instance, a, a, a version where all of that happens and then Daenerys has the same kind of interaction with Jon afterwards, I think is also fine, right? Where like Daenerys says, we're going to conquer everywhere. Or like, you know, what about the people who think differently? Well, they don't get to choose or whatever. Like, I think it's perfectly valid for Daenerys to be like, you know what? I'm done playing with my hands tied behind my back these people are going to submit to my will or I will burn them with dragon fire. So it is, is a I, natural I, thing for Danny to, to like teeter off essentially that knife's edge I was describing before into full blown cruel tyrant mode. I just do not think that it is motivated by he, the bells ringing and she decided there wasn't enough bloodshed. Like what? I think that that's, so I think our disagreement is that I see that being enough of a path and I'm willing to like grant that path because I think the path there is just that Tyrion has been giving her bad advice and her last piece of bad advice was uh, let the bell, if the bells ring, stop the fighting, everything's done. And she's just like, no, this is stupid. But the other and problem was that it was supposed to be the bells ringing before the battle. It was supposed to be ring the bells, open the gates and surrender the city. They no, no, no. basically they only rang the bells when they lost. Like, yeah, like all of this stuff is conjecture. At Danny and they're trying to say like, okay, it's over now, guys. It's not like but that wasn't. Like, that's what that imagine, wasn't what imagine, Tyrion actually said, though. The imagine line is if, legitimately that they ring the bells beforehand. X yeah, it was supposed to be no, 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 no. X is so so. Tyrion begs her and Grey Worm in the, in the throne room to say, "If the bell rings, call off the attack." Right after, like afterwards, it's not beforehand. And she and she like begrudgingly is like, "Okay, fine." And she nods to Grey Worm to say, "Yes, sure, do that." So she does agree to Tyrion's idea that if the bells ring in the middle of the battle, that they should no, stop I don't. Fighting. Okay, maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be convince get Jamie to convince Cersei to surrender, ring the bells, and open the gate and surrender the city. Like I'm pretty sure that was yeah, the that was the, no, that, that was the plan. That, that was that was the original the plan. But she, he definitely begs her to stop in the middle of the battle, and even if technically maybe it's up to her interpretation it's clear from the framing how does that he, that's how what does everybody expects to happen the of the battle. Yeah. what do you mean by that say that again Look, it's clear from the framing that every that, that's what everybody expects to happen right because everybody stops fighting Tyrion looks like the, the camera cuts to Tyrion and Tyrion's like oh god it's finally over right like everybody expects her to stop once the bells ring right like yeah. but so I, I don't think I, that's a fair expectation like when you watch when you rewatch, like uh I think it might have been in season four when Davos hears the bells the bells are not actually like a universal signal of submission. I mean, sure, if you're going to say that the show is inconsistent with itself, sure. Yep, I agree. But <laughs> you're, 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 you're arguing a technical point. You're arguing against what the text tells us, right? Yeah, like, the text very clearly says that when the bells ring in the middle of the battle, right, that they – and it's not like and, – and here's the other thing. Danny's thought process is not made known to us. All we get is her looking at the Red Keep – huffy <laughs> and then she goes off and starts burning. it's not like she no, lands thought... next to gray worm and gray worm is like please khaleesi let me slaughter these people and she's like okay do it you know what i mean or no, any, anything along those kinds of lines where you get to see her make the decision all you we get literally to see get is zero context piece. yeah exactly i mean i okay so this was just my interpretation of that scene was like she basically already won and she's like these people want to have it both ways, basically. Where, like, they want to resist me up until, like, they literally know that there's no possible chance that they can resist me anymore, and then they just want to get out of the free card. 
And I mean, that's, I, 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 I think, think that, that is valid. Legitimate I training, and I think that's a legitimate reason for Danny to say, no, fuck this. I'm going to burn the city. If that were the case, the show would make the argument. Instead, it effectively makes the argument that she thought, just goes crazy. So I might maybe I misremembering, misremembering this, but I thought there was a scene like at, around the time when the bells ring where it's just like Cersei looking smug and being like, haha, I've like, all right, you know, you win this day. Cersei uh, is I'll... literally crying. Yeah. Is when that? that happens. I thought that yeah, was yeah. after. Yeah, oh, she's okay. watching the city get burned. <laughs> she's watching the city get burned, and she's watching all of her like carefully laid like defenses get absolutely shit. Yeah, stopped. and the maester's like, "We gotta right. leave," and she's like, "I don't want to leave," and he's like, "No, we gotta fucking leave right now." That's the that's the scene you're talking about. Yeah, the scene oh. like literally what what predates this is fucking Kyburn is like she's killed all of our scorpions, your grace, and, and or she's killed the golden company. She's like, "Oh, well, the Lannister men will like fight harder or whatever," and then the Lannisters immediately surrender right in the next scene. So yeah, Cersei's pretty right, fucked but at that that's point. the thing. So no, 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 no. So so then the scene is that she's like, we'll keep fighting harder. So she has, she's still stubborn. She hasn't given up even after the bells have rocked. So, right? so even even if, first of all, I think you're mistaken. But even if you're right, Daenerys doesn't know that. Daenerys isn't like looking at Cersei, right? Yeah, she has no idea. <laughs> So I, I think, regardless, I think it's a perfectly legitimate uh, interpretation to think that Danny, in that moment, thinks you don't get to resist up to a point and then get out with your lives. I, so it's like, no, I, I'm going to just destroy you. She I doesn't that, know where Cersei is. She character. doesn't know any of this information. Even without Cersei, even without the Cersei element, I think that's a perfectly like. I, that I mean, I disagree, but I don't want to talk about this anymore. Honestly, this is getting this is getting silly. I'd like to move on to something else. Like, the show is completely unwilling to let us into Daenerys's thought process and give a definitive answer of why she does choose to burn King's Landing, right? But whenever uh, she's and that's exactly the problem. I, I, you whenever know what? I, I think Charles is right. I think we need to kind of call this conversation here. It's um, going off the rails. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. All right. We, we're yeah. just, we're going back and forth at this point. Do, do oh. you want, do we want to do any closing? We've been out this for like, an I was going to say a fun, a fun thing. We could do favorite character arcs. Oh, but, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one, man. All of my favorite character arcs, uh, all got, well, assuming, okay. Okay. For, uh, excluding, <laughs> we can say excluding or up to a certain point, you know, because yeah. obviously there is, I take, I have certain issues with some well, of my so favorite who is characters. Your, so who, who are your favorite characters? Like Mango, Mango, who is your favorite character in Ooh. the whole series? Oh, this is tough. Um, it might at Can this... we do favorite character until season eight? <laughs> sure. I mean, you would, make any kind of, you know, like make any kind of modifications. Cuts or whatever you want to do, yeah. yeah. I think my favorite character after all is said and done might end up being... It's a tie between, I think, Varys and the Hound. Oof. Wow, Varys. Why Varys? Varys, though, yeah, that one's interesting. I, I really like the kind of, like, you know, I don't think it's it's the best textually supported thing, but I like the idea of a character, like, you know, his, his stated goal, which is, I serve the people of the realm, regardless of what that means. And the fact that Mango he's, like... the most communist character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, Mango's, like, sitting there with his head in his no. hands, like... Oh my God! What have I become? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't think Varys is starting is starting any unions or uh, putting together any gulags. I have been on record saying that I think that that Danny is modeled after Stalin, but you know. Um. <laughs> yeah, and guess who? See, I think Stalin that's a misunderstanding killed. of who Stalin is. To be honest with you. Yeah, Stalin killed Trotsky, who is another communist. So you know. So, yeah, there is very little that is, like, tragic or sympathetic about – Stalin was basically just a common criminal who Lenin used to do his dirty work, and then when Lenin died, Stalin just, like – Stalin is basically Braun. 
Yeah, I just saw that it's basically Bran. <laughs> That's literally true. Yeah, because in, in Lenin's letters, I mean, this is really off topic, but in Lenin's letters talking about succession, uh, he talks about Didn't how, he like, say, like, Stalin... anybody except for Stalin? Yeah, he was, like, he was like, anybody except for Stalin, who I think of, like, most closely with, like, a mad dog or something like that. So I, I think Braun is supposed to come off as gold-hearted, which is... is, is, is he was, like, he was, like, the common man, the scrappy, like, go-getter until this season when he just randomly becomes, like... I don't know. I felt like it was very out of character for him to Bron, threaten Tyrion. Bron and, uh, as Master of Coin is maybe like, I mean, I will get really bad about all of the stuff with Danny, but like Bron as Master of Coin maybe like the most what the fuck moment that I <laughs> yeah. had in the show. Like, what? It's pretty dumb. I think really Bron dumb. still ends with Heart of Gold, right? Like, I think you've got that weird step in the middle where he threatens Jamie and, and Tyrion, but I think everything except for that moment points to him being very Heart of Gold. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, true. I mean, he he obviously he he's he, I don't know how to explain it. It's like he's like the everyman. He's one of the everyman characters, but he's he's basically the commoner trying to make his way in a, in a world full of like unfair rules where mm-hmm. the nobles get like whatever the fuck they want, and then he's just got to work for every you know every piece of gold. Yeah, and, and and then he eventually, I guess, has enough and snaps, which is like where I feel like the story was trying to go, but then like, uh, maybe I don't know. Um, but to, to kind of close up my thought, he doesn't really have an arc, but I think my favorite character might still be Davos. Davos for king. Mm. Oh, the Onion Knight. Oh, Davos, Davos for king. I'm on board with that. I yeah, fucking for love real. Davos. When Davos, like, joins, just, like, effortlessly joins up with, like, Jon Snow's crew, like, you know, obviously we have a lot of complaints about season eight, but one of my biggest ones is how, like, they never addressed that transition in the show. Like, I really wanted to see Jon, like, walk up to Davos and be like, you know, I heard from Ed and the others that you were the one who, like, organized everything to bring me back to life. I'm not sure I want to be back in the land of the living, but I sure as hell want to be, you know, like, your friend. Or I want you to be my advisor. Or, what, you know, like, whatever that conversation looks like. And the fact that we never got that conversation, Davos just kind of, like, implicitly does it. And it's, you know, like, I think that's one of the, the that's, that's one of, like, the crimes of the show in the later seasons. Mm. All right. Well, I I went. Let's. Uh, who who's next? Who wants to say their favorite character? But who was your answer again? Sorry, it was Davos. Like... Davos. Davos is the favorite. Okay. Best arc is probably the Hound. And then what the is, Hound what actually the has one of the most satisfying arcs. If you, think I'm sorry. What is the Hound's arc in that? Um, from being like he like essentially he cares about Arya, right? Like he and then you know and Sansa. It, he, let's not forget Sansa. That is true. <laughs> and and he's he's tragic because he ultimately can't escape it, right? Like he he. He ends up, uh, he ends up, you know, falling off the the cliff with Gregor. But you he know, literally gets ruined by his vengeance. Yeah, but at least, at least that's like, at least you know, at least he arcs to the point where he tells Arya to not make the same mistakes that he does. And then Arya goes and like, you know, says thank you, and then yeah. goes to find Wester Esteros. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so it, just because my memory is not serving me very well for the early seasons. What did uh, Gregor do to the Hound? He's the one that murdered him. He smashed yeah, his that... face into the fire or something. Oh, that was like a long time ago, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah when they were kids. That was like off screen, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah but they were, yeah, like, okay. they were like, they grew up as brothers. So it was just, that was a thing. Okay. Okay, that's fair enough. I don't know if I want to kill okay. someone for that. Charles, who's your, who's, who's your favorite character? Well, no. <laughs> 
so it wasn't just that he tried to stick like uh, the hound's face in the fire, right? Like he was also cruel for all of their childhood okay. and okay, also all of their fair. adulthood. And he still can't fucking kill him. He has to like basically do a cheap shot where they both die in order to beat him. Yeah, because like, because well, like, he becomes uh, a zombie essentially. Come on. Right? No, no, no. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, also, I thought that fight, as we discussed earlier, was not that great choreographed wise, but it was still. It was yeah, still I mean, I mean, the mountain had the high ground. He should have won. Uh, yeah. Anyways, jokes aside, uh, my favorite uh character arc probably would be this is one of the fan favorites, uh, Jamie. Prior Ooh. to him being okay. dumb as shit and just leaving. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Prior I can feel it. Moment, I can feel it. It's like really fucking good. I think like, Jamie gets it worse than Danny, to, to be honest. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If we ignore, if we ignore the episode four where he just straight up leaves for like no good fucking reason. Yeah, everyone, then, including me, who was like, oh, it's a fake out. He's going to, like, kill Cersei because he, like, you know, he finally knows, like, love and he's going to take responsibility for all. No, nope, nope. He's just. Nope. They just, they just so fucking ruined just I, will, I, will, I will make the argument because I think I, I think that it's not well explained like everything else in the season, but I think it's a good ending for him. I think it's, like, yeah. it's, it's basically told by Tyrion, right? Like, uh, you know. You knew what she was, and you loved her anyway. And I think that that's when he realizes that he still loves Cersei, and he's lying to himself with Brienne. And that's why he goes back to her. And I think him as a tragic character makes sense. But like Danny, right? He doesn't get enough build up to it. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's no. I can't. Yeah, if they if they did that slowly and more tragically, yeah, I I I I feel that. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, Jamie was maybe my favorite character for a while, specifically just because the thing in the in like the hot tub or whatever. I know it's not a hot tub, but um, right. where the he's spa ex- thing, whatever. Yeah, in the yeah. spa thing where he explains that he killed Eris because of the wildfire. Like, it's really hard to that moment was really huge because in the first two seasons of game of thrones he's just a huge dick and a giant (laughs) asshole right and he's and he's like a huge piece of shit and so you just have every reason to believe that yep he's the kingslayer he has no fucking honor because he's he just killed the king so that his dad could take power because he's just as power hungry and ambitious as his fucking stupid dad is or whatever um yeah so that the reveal that like no he actually did that out of like a, a real altruistic kind of like need to save the realm right. was so awesome like that was yep. just so great that and then when he also fucking leaves cersei for the greater good after she's yeah. like yeah i was fucking lying to them like that shit i was like oh my god oh this guy's so good what a good night like i was like i was, yeah. I was just coming buckets in the dude, dude in the fuck <laughs> <laughs> in the books, actually, it's even better because when Cersei is in jail, she can send letters to people. And so she keeps sending letters to Jamie, like, oh, Jamie, please come back to the capital and help me. And Jamie's like, tooling around the Riverlands, like, doing, like, military shit. Like, nah. Nah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, is, that's around season four, right? Because I remember yeah. there's this interview with, uh, I forget the actor's name because it's like, it's some like Nikolai something. Nikolai. Anyways, there's there's an interview that he does where he says like around season of course he re- he's, he says like I like to read the books I like to be prepared so I read all the books and I felt that the way that Jamie's character was being taken I would give suggestions to D and D and they would be like oh, I think I saw uh, this interview <laughs> yeah 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 and they're basically like yeah well uh, we don't like the way that's going this is the way we've written it and uh, we respectfully ask you to just do as you're told <laughs> yeah uh, basically how he described it and he talks about how that happened around season four. 
Um, so like he had his own ideas for how he thought Jamie was going to go based on the books that he read. And they just said, fuck you. But yeah. he still did a masterful job. And that's one of my favorite character arcs because of how great it is. Hound Arya, also really cute because the whole time they're basically like Tundirs where <laughs> the Hound and Arya like, I don't like you. I don't like you. I'm just like for the, the bounty man on your head. And then they become like best friends. So that's cute. Uh, and then uh, secret pocket pick. Tywin's pretty dope, honestly. Oof. All things considered, he's pretty pretty dope guy. Davos obviously loved that guy, but Tywin in the early seasons, he's pretty pretty clever guy, pretty clever bastard. Like I mean, I think see, I think Tywin is maybe the best character in the whole show. I mean, mercifully, he dies in season four, so he's, we never is get that to the see reason him, he, like, he, he he dies yeah, before he, it can be. Yeah, yeah. this is also why I like. I mean, just to Ned. go next, I guess my favorite character probably is Oberon. Um, just because, like, I mean, he just shows up, and part of it is just that actor, but he just, like, completely controls that mm. entire season. Just, like, the part where he, like, walks into the thing, and the way that he says, like, Lannisters. Oh, man, <laughs> come on! <laughs> just, like, give me more of that shit, baby! Like, plus his whole fight with, like, that, uh, you know, with the mountain, like, oh. Oh, that's pretty dope. It is uh, so cool, and he is so cool. He's so badass. He doesn't have a he doesn't have like an arc or anything like that. So you know, like I don't think he really qualifies under right that for minor. Kind of, let's uh, just throw it as a fine uh, like a favorite minor character. Yeah, I actually think that Tywin has the best arc, uh, like true arc of the show, because and this is also something that is show only. When Cersei tells Tywin that that joffrey and tommen and marcella are all incest bastards and tywin literally has this entire time never believed any of like the lies about it and to hear it from cersei like herself and he goes like no no you're just trying to hurt me and then he like looks into her eyes and he's like oh my god she's right my legacy is like a lie oh wow what a moment right like holy shit that was great so that's your favorite character arc. Yeah, yeah. Tywin. My favorite character arc is Tywin. His arc is just straight downhill, baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> dies on the crapper. <laughs> uh. All right. Uh, well, uh, Zhao and X are the last ones, I guess. Sure. So I think um, I do like Tywin as a character. I think my two favorite arcs in terms of a character, I think first is like Stannis. Because I think Stannis' arc is actually like the most like of all the characters. It's pretty fucking tragic. Yeah. I mean, it's tragic. I think it embodies, I guess, like the the theme I wanted people to take away from Game of Thrones, which is you know like the uh, you either like what is it you win or you die or something like that. Um, You either either die the hero or oh no no no, that's different. No, you when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or die. Uh. (laughs) You win or you die. Season one. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think I think the the thing I liked about his arc is just that um, a lot of characters got kind of what they deserved, right? Like Joffrey got what he deserved, mm-hmm. um, Littlefinger got what he deserved, and I feel like a lot of those deaths were like they were kind of cheap because it's just like come on, like the the, the central thing that made Game of Thrones different from other shows is just that characters that didn't deserve to die sometimes like did that, right? And I think that Stannis was one of the few people that was just like. He chose all of his own actions, and you know, like his ending was a consequence of like everything that he did. Um, I also weirdly also like um, uh, was it Alaria Sand? Who is the mother of the Sand sisters? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Alaria Sand was the. Uh... I think her arc was like it was just like the saddest one, but I don't necessarily think that it was like the most complete one because it didn't really start anywhere. Um, and then so those are the two I think were like I thought were the best done and I enjoyed them. But my favorite arc, uh, which I recognize, it's so it's it's Buddy's Batman versus Superman, which is I I personally like it the most, even though I know it's not the best arc, is the arc of Podrick, who starts with like a bumbling <laughs> idiot. Uh, he becomes like a Good sex pick. god at some point, and then the entirety of season eight says no lines whatsoever, but he ends up so. both. He, okay, yeah, he does sing, but he has no like he doesn't really have any meaningful lines in like the the after battle Winterfell episode where he just like stares at two women and then like the in the background you see him like walk off with like the two women to have a threesome, and the end of the series it's just like him becoming like. Uh, like a knight. Brand's bitch. He just like pushes Brand around. He pushes the wheelchair. <laughs> Pod the rod. <laughs> but his, like, I personally enjoyed his, like, just like, it's, it's like the silliest uh, character development, but I liked it. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, for me, I'd say my favorite minor character was Sir Arthur Dane, just because he's a dual-wielding swordsman badass honestly i actually think that that sword fight is the best like that's a really good one. fight Not yeah one, but like yeah like the sword he just fight. wrecks everybody and then gets stabbed in the back and it's like i know oh. yeah <laughs> that is a dope damn fight. you game that's of thrones fair. realism but then i think character wise olena tyrell was just like such a badass in the in like oh the she shadows. was that's like yeah. you don't you have no idea who killed joffrey and then suddenly she's like Drinks the poison is like, yeah, I did it. What now? And then oh my god, that scene also was amazing. Yeah. I love Jamie because she's like, give me. I, I had to make like the the one that hurts the least, you know, because Jamie's like such a good guy. That's also why yeah, I love Jamie. Exactly. It's, like another, it's another little like nugget in why Jamie was so great to me. And mm-hmm. he's like, I did it. I asked for the one that doesn't hurt at all, and she takes it, and then she says this word. It's like, oh shit. Yeah. What a beast. And then yeah, I, I don't I don't even know. Like I I felt like even the sacking of High Garden was not well explained it's like well we're yeah i didn't like that at all that was really yeah that's also something that uh, probably will play out in in the books there's two more high garden like so loris is not actually the heir to high garden it's this guy named willis tyrell who's actually kind of awesome uh he's like a he's like a falconer or whatever those two guys have been in high garden the entire time and it seems as though they will probably be be alive even if like cersei does blow up the scepter or whatever so you know, my hope is that my hope is that House Tyrell is able to make uh, a little bit of a comeback in the books. <laughs> and then Bron Bron would not be able to get High Garden then, so I don't know. Maybe he would end up killing Jamie and Tyrion to get the Reach or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this was gonna happen. Bron's gonna get to marry Marjorie, and that's how he's gonna get High Garden. Wait, but Marjorie dies. Uh, maybe she won't. Work. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But then if Marjorie doesn't die, she would still be married to Tommen, and Tommen wouldn't have committed suicide. I also very much like Marjorie. I love how Marjorie, like that one line she has in season two, where she's like, I don't want to be a queen, I want to be the queen. What a badass, (laughs) like, (laughs) damn. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Well, we've gone over two hours. Uh, Unless anybody has anything else they want to talk about, I think this is a good place to call it. Absolutely. I still... I'm just going to say as a final thing, I think that if we revisit the series in like five years, I think we'll be more generous towards season eight than we are now. I think I, so. fi- listen, I listen, listen, listen. Oh, five years from now, put it on the calendar. We're going to yeah. have a Game of Thrones reunion episode. Yeah. Yes. Come back Please, to it. Let's see, that. let's see that. Yeah. Well, well, let's see that. No, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
It's pretty much. It's pretty much all that's gonna happen. All right. So actually, it's... I have a question. Do you guys have any high hopes for the uh, prequels? Supposed to be oh, I do actually. So uh, one of the things I just love the world of Westeros. Like I think Westeros is a fucking awesome place to do stuff. And the the prequel series are first of all they're not going to be run by D and D, which I think is going to be a big help, obviously. Um, and second of all, I just think that there's like a lot of cool shit that you can do in like the world of Westeros that isn't necessarily like Game of Thrones, you know, like stuff. Like you don't even have to do like people talk about Robert's Rebellion, which would be awesome, but just like the Dance of Dragons which is this whole like Targaryen civil war between the Targaryens and the Blackfires for another like succession crisis would be just as awesome a series, I feel like. And, uh, and not that I have the most amount of faith in, you know, in like these people anymore, but I do have a certain amount of faith in the world of Westeros to tell really awesome, cool stories. So yeah. Yeah. That's my, that's my take. Oof, you're having me up for it, buddy. Well, the, the book that he wrote instead of wins it, like the most recent book that George R. R. Martin wrote is called Fire and Blood. And it is like a, a shot by shot kind of like telling of the Dance of Dragons. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the shit. I, I really hope that it works out. I have no expectations for the sequel uh, for the prequels. I also don't think like I think people are too easy to dismiss like D&D. All, were like producers throughout the entirety of the show, right? So like there were definitely seasons that they were in charge of that. I think the common good. criticism yeah. though is that they they started the show under their supervision started to taper off when they ran out of like the source material. Right, but that's that like I think most people, if you just gave them cliff notes of things, would not be able to create great shows regardless, right? I, I, I don't want to get into I, that, I, but I wholeheartedly disagree because they wrote really good job in the first few seasons, and then they stopped caring when they had the Star Wars shit. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to worry about, like, Star Wars and, like, Disney and stuff like that, but I absolutely think that they they checked out, you know what I mean? Um, and they weren't, they, you know, like, they're not a showrunner like, um, I mean, actually, J.J. Abrams kind of did this on Lost, and maybe that, that was, like, a precursor, right? But, like, there have been times when showrunners, you know, like, check out of shows, and they're just, like, not as good anymore because these people have kind of, like, mentally moved on. And there are plenty of, oper- like, plenty of times when the opposite has happened, right? Like, obviously, Vince Gilligan was really involved with Breaking Bad from the beginning to the end, such that he wanted to go back and do a prequel series that, hot take, is even better than Breaking Bad ever was. And and D&D were just never going to be those people. No, so but, but what I think is, like, I think D&D are good at adapting material, but I think that when you're adapting material, if you run out of material, I think that most people are going to struggle regardless, right? Like, and I think even if it's not just running out of material, like, if you're trying to stretch things longer than they should be, like, for example, the Hobbit movies, like, you're going to run into cases where, like, it's just bad. I think that when you are doing adaptations, if you do not just adapt what already exists, you're, you're just, like, you're asking for trouble and you're not going to do well. But if you're, you are adapting what exists, you'll be fine. Like, even, even, like, the worst version of, like, an adaptation would probably be something like Watchmen the movie. And I think in that particular case, like, despite Zack Snyder... Uh, are we figuring movie, about M. Night Shyamalan's Avatar? Because I feel like that... <laughs> Oh. takes an award for worst adaptation. Wait, are you saying that Watchmen is a bad adaptation? I think it's a bad adaptation. I think it tries wow. too much to do frame-by-frame frame rec- recreations rather than trying to adapt it to the medium of the of film rather than you, trying like, to... Like, you know, like, the whole ending, like, he changed up the entire... End. I mean, yeah, whatever. I, I, the, I, I think Watchmen think is one of the greats, so... Uh, yeah, you're also a Zack Snyder stand. I mean, I, I am, say, the but... film was... The first half of the film was 
it's kind of like uh what was that will smith superhero movie where, like the first half was good and then the second half was just like what the f that's what i felt about watching no i think oh, hancock people... yeah, yeah hancock yeah, the first hancock half was, was so awesome. good and then the second half was like where where did this left turn come out of nowhere like what What's, but, what is but the watch, left watch turn? Is, so, so uh, that's a different discussion for a different day. What sure, I'm saying is that, so like, you can obviously do a bad adaptation, right? Like, that's not hard to do. But what I'm saying is, if you're good at adapting things, if you try to stretch material too thin or you run out of material to adapt, you're probably going to suffer regardless of like how talented you are because your skill is adapting what already exists. So I think that like, if you're doing the the Dance of Dragons. And you're basing it off of like uh, what is it? Blood and Fire is the book title. I think yeah. that prequel series will be fine. I think it'll be pretty good, uh, but I don't have expectations for it because I think like finding somebody who can adapt things as well as D and D did for like you know the first seasons when they had the material, I think is something that they just it, it's not easy to come across. Even if you don't think D and D did a good job with the last two so, seasons. But even if we even if we say that that was one factor in us not liking the season. The other definitely has to be the fact that we felt shortchanged by the fact that they didn't... Like, HBO, I think, offered them 10 seasons, 10 episodes per season, and then D&D <laughs> decided, like, unilaterally to not do that. I don't think they would have done a better job if you gave them an additional three seasons. I think it would have just been... I actually think it would have been worse. I think, like, given that they don't they it's very clear from season eight that they don't know how to connect between plot points to plot points that if you just had an additional three seasons of that instead of having like three uh or like six the, bad episodes it's just like the last three seasons are like right and, the and last my whole point is that they stopped caring that's the whole point i've been trying to make this entire time i don't time. think it even even if they cared right there's what are they going to do like they like George R. R. Martin's not writing the book, so we're done here. Okay, no. well, clearly Zhao thinks they're fine. Uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just... is, is this podcast just how many times Zhao can be wrong in a... In a <laughs> 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 uh, anyway. I mean, this right. is a podcast where Buddy just talks about how much he thinks that Batman versus Superman is good, so it's... Listen, <laughs> that's every podcast, okay? <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh... If you want to tell us what you think about uh, Game of Thrones or anything else, we, well, the, I guess we talked about other things in this podcast. You can reach us at subderpsplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subderpsplaygames.com. Follow us at twitch.tv slash subderpsplaygames. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Subscribe. Leave a comment. All those good things. Uh, our guest, do you have anything that you want to plug before we, we sign off on this? Uh, I got nothing to plug. Now? I also have nothing to plug. Um, if anybody besides me listens to this podcast, I want you to weigh in on whether you think Master Chief is an incel or not. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Let's leave that with no context. But you have anything you want to plug before we sign off? No, I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal <laughs> listeners. Ha, <laughs> ha,